This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Despite his legal troubles, former President Trump has a clear lead in the race for the Republican nomination. But is he qualified to run? A cohort of conservative legal scholars argue no, and a new lawsuit could put their theory to the test. It comes down to the 14th Amendment, a Civil War era clause in the Constitution that disqualifies candidates who have engaged in insurrection or rebellion or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. A belief that Trump violated that standard is gaining traction among his opponents on the campaign trail and in Congress. I think it is a valid argument. Uh, you know, the 14th Amendment, Section 3, is pretty clear. If you engage in acts of insurrection or rebellion against the government, or you give aid and comfort to those who do, you are disqualified from running. The ship is a stooge of Larry Tribe. Whatever Tribe says... <clears throat> Schiff puts in the congressional record, and they're both dead wrong. Uh, I know as much about the Constitution as Tribe and as Schiff, and the framers of the 14th Amendment intended it to apply to people who fought in the Civil War. Now, Donald Trump's old, but he's not old enough to have fought in the Civil War. Breaking news from the federal courthouse in Washington. 39-year-old Enrique Tarrio, once the top leader of the far-right extremist group, the Proud Boys, was sentenced to 22 years in federal prison for orchestrating the failed plot to forcibly block the peaceful transfer of power following the 2020 presidential election. It is the longest sentence yet stemming from the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol, but not as long as the 33 years requested by prosecutors. He begged the judge for mercy, saying, quote, I'm not a political zealot, but he did not receive that mercy. Well, turning to the migrant crisis now and a protest happening on Staten Island. That's right. That's where some people are upset with the city housing asylum seekers at a former Catholic school. We are not backing down. That's the message from protesters who have gathered several times before in this community. Basically, they're saying they don't want migrants in their backyard. Once again, a large crowd formed in front of the former St. John Villa Academy. This is the borough that started blue. Lives matter! Don't you forget white shirts! Don't you forget police! When Black Lives Matter attack you! When Antifa attack you! And they wouldn't let you do anything! Staten Island stood up for you and created Blue Lives Matter! The most talented young guy in Hollywood today. I got to tell you, uh, you're going to be very, very happy when you see the movie. I I, 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 I was telling your friends, it, it took a lot to uh, explain to you a little bit of what the, the process is. It's not radio yes. and hitting your marks and things like that. But once you're actually on um, and, and, you, and you start doing your thing, you, you, you do a very, very, Thank very you. good job. And it's not a little role. It's actually a pretty big role.
meet you anytime you want in our Italian restaurant. Billy Joel, and there was a big scene on the Upper East Side in New York City at an Italian restaurant just last night, stealing the title from this great song of the Stranger album, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant, Those Sweet Romantic Teenage Nights. Oh, yes, with all that you heard there in today's open, Curtis Sliwa coming up in about an hour once again leading the protest outside St. John's Villa Academy on Staten Island with these uh, psychos on the right, his own competitors, and, of course, low lives like Adam Schiff on the left trying to evoke the 14th Amendment, Section 3, to make sure that President Trump is off the ballot. I mean, if you can't figure out at this point, if you can't figure out at this point that all these indictments, all these lawsuits, all this to Trump's point, is all about election interference and one major, major effort at keeping the guy who is clobbering everybody, who despite indictments and all kinds of legal issues, continues to lengthen his lead over folks like Ron DeSantis. If you haven't figured that out, you're either naive or stupid and closer to the latter. An agenda-driven biased. Clearly trying to keep this man off the ballot. Last I checked, Donald Trump was not charged with insurrection. You know why? Because by the definition of the word, what happened January 6th was not an insurrection. Chuck Todd can say it every Sunday. Joe and Mika, those two assholes, can say it every morning. It was not an insurrection. Just wasn't by the definition of the word. So when Adam Schiff goes, well... Insurrection, he wasn't charged with that because it wasn't that. So right off the bat, right off the bat, it holds no water. I mean, it was nice to hear my dear friend Alan Dershowitz, who's going to join me coming up at 8.40 this morning with John Katzmatidis, my guy, last night. But I didn't need Dershowitz to tell me that it doesn't hold any water. But we'll get it from Dershowitz anyway. So with all these uh, stories going on, The big story for me last night was a scene from an Italian restaurant. A restaurant I've been to twice before with the aforementioned John and Margot Katsimatidis. Love the place. It's called Elio's. It's on 84th Street and 2nd Avenue. And if you go to my Instagram page this morning, at Rosenberg.Sydney, 
at Rosenberg.Sydney or my Facebook page, Sid Rosenberg. You'll see a nice picture of the table. And I got to tell you, Lewis, you talk about the power players in New York. Forget about the mayor and those folks. I know John wasn't there, and John, of course, Katsimatidis is at the very top of the list. But excluding John, you're going to have a hard time putting together a table with more power than the folks I sat with last night. And by the way, all great people. I mean, terrific, great people. What'd you eat? What did I eat? Good question. (laughs) I had a uh, watermelon salad. Then I had the chicken parmesan. I also had, um, obviously, bread. And then we had some great desserts, cheesecake, tortufu. And I actually sat right in between two great guys, one being Mr. Power Express, Keith Kanchowitz. And now I've had a couple of nights out with Keith the last couple of weeks because it was Keith who took me with Anthony Carone and Governor David Patterson to the Met game a couple of weeks ago. So I sat in between Keith Kanchowitz and a guy that you all know in New York named Paul Carlucci. Paul was the former CEO of News America. And, of course, uh, with that um, capsule, you had Fox News, the New York Post, Paul Carlucci, not only beloved and revered here in New York, also a dear friend of John Katzmatidis, but about as powerful as they come in the media business, and still is. I mean, he's not the CEO of News America anymore, but he still has all those contacts. So I sat in between Kanchowitz and Carlucci, but the rest of this table, you had Michael Kemper. Michael, uh, actually, Noam played a cut for Michael Kemper this morning. He's the chief of transit for the NYPD. So he's got the unenviable task of trying to stop crime on the subway. I believe he's also the highest-ranked Jewish person in the NYPD, Michael Kemper, and he's a sweet guy. No, what was the cut you played from Kemper this morning? Because he was at dinner with me last night. What was that cut? He was um, They're starting a campaign to convince teenagers not to go subway surfing. Well, that's a big issue. Uh, I believe 88 arrests, five people dead, over 200 incidents in 2023. It's stupid, it's moronic, it's dangerous, so we should be doing that. Yeah, well, but, you know, convince a teenager. Well, I know, the morons. I, they I upload it. it to TikTok, they get lots of likes, that's You're what it's all idiots, about. Idiots, I know. My daughter's here, in fact, Ava, who's brilliant, and uh, less than two weeks will be heading back to Cardiff in Wales, just outside of London, for her second of three years of studying in Europe. She'll come on about 7.25 this morning. She does that TikTok stuff. But she would never subway surf. She's too smart for that. So Kemper was there, a guy named Mark Oranger, who's a big-time mortgage guy in Brooklyn. And Mark works alongside my dear friend who was also there last night, Anthony Carone. Look at this table. Then you had the governor, David Patterson. He was there. Then you had uh, Shannon Chang. And then this young lady, never met her. She is an assemblywoman, and I'm sure Curtis is not a big fan of this lady. I can guarantee you that. She's a Democrat assemblywoman from the 38th District in Queens. Her name is Jennifer Rajkumar, and uh, she is just about every day with Mayor Eric Adams and loves him. So I had to explain to her last night that Eric Adams is doing a horrendous job with the migrant crisis, horrendous 
with the illegals. And much to Jennifer's credit, never met her before, she listened and uh, said, hey, I still want to be your friend. Maybe one day you and Eric could work it out. Didn't give me a hard time. Didn't argue with me. Didn't yell. None of that. But she is with Adams almost every day. So she was there. And finally, as if that's not enough, this table, right, Kantrowitz, Carlucci, Kemper, Oranger, Carone, Patterson, Chang, and Rajkumar, also at the table. You ready for this? I, I'm looking at the picture. You can't wait. I know you can't wait. No, you ready? I know who it is. Mark Simone. Look where he is. We're smack in the middle. Well, right in the middle. Wow. So I get like three or four messages after my show yesterday, sometime in the afternoon, from people who listen to both of us. And they go, you know, Sid, some guy, this is yesterday, some guy just called Mark Simone. And he said, you know, your buddy Sid Rosenberg had Trump on Friday. And Mark Simone's response shocked a lot of my listeners who listen to me and then switch over to Simone when he said, hey, do me a favor, stop mentioning Sid Rosenberg on this station. He's on the competing station. (laughs) Really, Mark? I swear to God. And then he goes, you ready for this? Do yourself a favor and listen to Len and Mike. No, of course. How about do yourself a favor and blow your brains out? Put the gun in your mouth and blow your brains out because that would be a much better death than listening to Len and Mike. <laughs> so I go to Simone and, and Colucci sitting right there. I go, hey, F-face, and I cursed. I don't care. Because you're not sitting next to each other. I no. can see why No, Colucci's in the middle. Colucci's like, he loved it. I go, hey, F-face. You know, I say nice things about you all the time. I like Mark Simone. I still like him. I go, what is this nonsense that you're telling people? He goes, well, it's uh, my, my guy's fault. So, of course, the PD there is a guy named Tom Cuddy, who's a very sweet guy. He's been nice to me in the past, got me Met tickets, but he's a pussy with a capital P. And Simone is afraid of Tom Cuddy. I'm like, are you nuts? There's no way he is He's afraid, afraid of Cuddy. No, then he goes, well, wait a second. He goes, you know, I've been promoting your uh, your big night with Bill O'Reilly. I go, yeah, Simone, here's the issue. You have been promoting it. October 27th, Huntington, Long Island, Paramount Theater. Here's the issue. You only mention O'Reilly's name. I know this for a fact. He goes, well, yeah, I can't mention your name. I go, so why are you telling me you're helping me promote an event that I'm going to be on the marquee, but you won't mention my name? I go, do you understand how ridiculous? And again, he he blamed it on, on, of course, his PD. (laughs) Here I am congratulating Simone on a new three-year contract extension, and I meant that I was sincere about it. But between the O'Reilly deal and somebody mentioning Trump, this guy's out of his mind. You work there. Are people actually afraid of Tom Cuddy? No, I think they are. Yeah, I, to yeah, some extent. Yeah, yeah. He's, I, I, I got along great with Tom, but I think people oh, people stop. are afraid. Oh, afraid give me a yeah, break. They are I'm just afraid saying. of what? I, I think there's a rule that you can't mention anybody from WABC on there. Why? Interviews. I mentioned Simone here. I mentioned Sean Hannity here. I mentioned Lennon. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because I'm comfortable, secure, and confident <laughs> that I can beat all their asses all day long. Clearly, 
they are uh, operating from a paranoia standpoint at WOR. Clearly, they don't have the confidence that I've got. What do I care if you mention Simone or Sean or uh, whoever's on? I don't care. Rush, when he was alive, God rest his soul. It's how, it does sound like the ideology over there, though. That's exactly what Noam said. Don't mention this. Don't talk about him. Don't bring yeah. up Sid's name. Don't bring up Sid Rosenberg's <laughs> name. He works for the competitor. No. Let me tell you, I had dinner with Simone all the time. The competitor, give me a break. It's that old stupid thing about yeah. it. Don't mention it, they won't exist. Oh, it's great, because every time somebody new came to the table and they introduced us, it's like, hey, that's Mark Simone, he's on the radio, and that's Sid Rosenberg, he's number one in New York, he's a monster. Oh, and man. I saw Simone's face. It was every single time somebody <laughs> sat down and Kanchewitz or Colucci was like, that's Simone, he's on radio. Oh, here's Sid, he's the man, he's the best. <laughs> Governor David Patterson said... And he's coming on on Friday. He goes, you know, in all seriousness, I know you yelled at me last time because I defended Adams, blah, blah, blah. He goes, I'm going to tell you something right now. He goes, the way you're going right now, you can honestly go down in history as one of the all-time New York great radio hosts. And he mentioned a couple of guys I never even heard of. It wasn't Bob Grant or Don Imus or Howard Stern. And Simone looked like he wanted to die. <laughs> she had name tags like that. <laughs> So I said to Patterson, I said, good, you're on every week now. I just uh, say that when you come on on Friday. <laughs> That's right. We won't fight anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. You and I are good, buddy. So anyway, it was a wonderful dinner. I do want to thank Keith Kantrowitz and Paul Colucci for hosting it last night, especially Keith. And uh, we're going to do it again, I think, in a couple of weeks. I think the next one closer to home for me and Anthony will be at Michael's in Brooklyn. But... Um, Great. Uh, a lot of these guys, in fact, they'll call Lucci and Kanchowitz. They're going to be at the big event tomorrow night, the big gala, celebrating John Katsimatidis and Cousin Brucey. So we'll see him again tomorrow at uh, Cipriani's. Nice. Will Simone be there? And Simone will be there, yes. Okay. Yes. Right. No, you Interesting. He can't mention me on his radio show, but he can come to a WABC party, which he said to me last night he's been coming to for 25 years. I said, 25 years? This is our second year doing this. He goes, no, no, no. We started this a long time ago. But he, Used to be at a different place. But he doesn't work here. He doesn't even work here. I know. Doesn't even work here. <laughs> you got poor Brian Kilmeade, that poor bastard, working 20 hours a day trying to keep up in the ratings. And Simone can't mention my name, but he comes to all of our events. Why don't we get to go to a war event? I don't want to go to their events, trust me. <laughs> why, I mean, why would anybody, well, are you nuts? Well, that's why. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God, does that sound awful. You know, when I see you, I'm not going to be able to say hi to you anyway. You know I'm not going to be able to say your name in front of anybody. So Tom doesn't find out. That's true, Tom doesn't find out. Uh, right. yeah, but you yeah. know I love you. That's right. great, job. great job. You're doing a great job. All yeah. right. So we got a big, big guest list uh, stopping by today on this Hump Day Tunnel to Towers Wednesday morning. Gonna be a great show. Curtis Lee was going to be here today. My daughter, Ava Rosenberg, she's going to stop by in the 7 o'clock hour. Congressman Peter King moved back to 740 this morning. In the 8 o'clock hour, the great attorney Alan Dershowitz, he's going to explain why this 14th Amendment deal with Donald Trump is a joke. Danny A., Danny A., who actually produced, directed, and starred as Roy DeMeo in Inside Man. He's stopping by the studios this morning. He's got a brand new project. And guess who's going to be in the new movie? That's right, me. We'll talk to Danny A. coming up at 9.10. And Colonel Jack Jacobs. We'll talk about Afghanistan. We'll talk about Ukraine, Russia. All the wars with one of the all-time great U.S. servicemen, Colonel Jack Jacobs. The number is always... 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Wednesday morning, 
your favorite news talk show in the country. Sid and Friends in the Morning, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. To Dolores, that would be the lead singer of this band, the Cranberries, Dolores Riordan, who would be celebrating, I believe, her 52nd birthday today. She died very young a couple of years ago. Dolores and the Cranberries, I love this song. 
So we'll pay tribute to her throughout today's show, as well as other folks, birthdays, and unfortunately, heavenly anniversaries. We do that every day on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Lou Rafino is exceptional with that. So I got to tell you, because um, something in all these guests and discussing all these major New York stories, I talked about that great dinner last night, Cantruitz, Carlucci, all those great guys. Come on. So yesterday afternoon, I was uh, resting, getting ready for this big dinner, and my son Gabriel, and Ava's here this morning, my daughter, she'll hop on at 725. Gabe comes running down the stairs, Ma, 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 like the kid from, um, who was that kid from the cartoon? You always say, ma, 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 ma. What was that? A very popular cartoon. Uh, well, I forget um, now. God, it was a, an adult cartoon. Very, very popular. And uh, the little bastard would call his mother's name like a hundred oh, times. Family guy. Stewie, yes. There you go, family guy. So he's running down the stairs. He's yelling. And uh, mom, I'm in my mom, bedroom. Mom, I'm like, mom. right, exactly. Mom. Exactly. I'm like, Gabe, what, what, what? So it turns out that uh, me and Danielle, very, very, very doting and terrific parent, we uh, thought Gabe started high school tomorrow, Thursday, and we were wrong. It turns out that Gabriel actually starts high school today. So all of a sudden, yesterday, when Gabe is running down the stairs, tomorrow becomes day one of high school. So for the better part of three months, my son was never up this time of the morning, never but I spoke to them about uh, five minutes ago during the break, and Keith Kantrowitz gave my son a Mariano Rivera signed baseball and a Mariano T-shirt, and I put it on the kitchen table so when Gabe got up this morning for his first day of high school, have his cereal and get ready for school, he would see it, and he did. And he was like, Dad, this is so cool. The point is, not tomorrow, but right now, as we speak, my 14-year-old son, my baby, is getting ready to go to high school. So that's got me all freaked out. So far you look okay, though. Yeah, I'm okay, but it's... I'm amazed. My daughter is here, so that makes it a little easier. And something tells me Ava is going to meet her brother after he's done with school here in the city and take him home, but it just doesn't make any sense. Like, Ava's been around forever. Yeah, I don't even remember life before Ava. You know, she was born in 2004, but... I don't remember life before Ava, but Gabe was, he's the baby. He wasn't even born here. Ava was born Mount Sinai in New York City, and we were living in Tenafly, New Jersey. Gabe was born in Boca. And now he's starting high school in New York. It doesn't make any sense. So I do want to wish my son Gabriel Martin Atticus Rosenberg, he's got four names, good luck. I'm proud of you. I love you. And much like I'll do with my daughter Ava, as she heads off in 13 days to Cardiff in Wales, just outside of London, for her second year at the university on her three-year law plan. Both of them are great kids, brilliant kids. They really are both. I just want to wish Gabriel a, a lot of luck. And it would be nice if you bastards, who I continue to make famous and money and all those things, because left on your own devices, you, who knows what you'd be doing. It would be nice if you guys jumped in and did the same, but I guess that's not going to happen, is it? I do wish Gabe a good, successful day. Gabe loves you. Yeah, I know. And what? he's a great – I love Gabe. Oh, thank you, bro. I love him. Thank hey, you. I already predicted he's going to do great things. You did, you've been saying that for a long time, you yes. You just tell. We drove by your, your apartment building yesterday because you went to the gym with me, Gabe. 
He played basketball. I lifted weights. And we were looking for the 77 WABC truck. So we know you're home. We were going to go inside your house and um, beat yeah. the living daylights out of you and cool. eat cool. with MJ. Cool. But you weren't home, so. No. So. no I, I timed that perfect. That's <laughs> <laughs> one hell of a father-son activity. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of fun, you know. Atticus. I love that. Well, my wife, her, well, her favorite book is Far and Away to Kill a to Mockingbird. Kill a Mockingbird. It's and you, you, you understand why being my wife is a product of a mixed marriage and Atticus Finch. You know the whole story. It's very interesting now. Ooh. So when they tried to ban that book, Danielle was furious. So Atticus comes from that. Morton was actually Danielle's grandfather's name, Morton Noodleman. And again, her mother was killed in a very violent car crash when she was eight. And her grandparents, Marty and Florence, basically raised her. So we gave Gabe Martin also. So a big day for uh, for Gabe on his way to high school. And so many of you out there have been so good to my son. And it looks like right now our second annual Dyspraxia Radiothon will take place on October the 12th. And I've already got a ton of big, big, big people who want to get involved and all good stuff. And wherever we go, Gabriel, somebody says... Hey, Gabe, I love your father, but I really love you. Same thing with my daughter, Ava, my wife, Danielle. It's all the same. And I appreciate it every time. So good luck to Gabe. Okay, we got uh, Curtis stopping by at 7.05. He is the first of six guests. Do I go to Frank Siller now? Let's do that. Uh, It is, in fact, Wednesday morning. Time for Tunnel to Towers. It's time now for the weekly Tunnel to Towers update. You've heard my friend Frank Siller on the air with us each week. He and his family established the Tunnel to Towers Foundation in memory of his brother, FBNY firefighter Stephen Siller. Stephen was one of the many heroes who did not make it home on September 11, 2001. As we approach the 22nd commemoration of 9-11, the folks at Tunnel to Towers want to ensure that all Americans, especially younger generations, never forget about the sacrifices made that day. Last year, they launched the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute, their expanded effort to educate and inform children in grades K-12 through about the fallen 9-11 heroes. The Institute offers full curriculum units with scripted social studies lessons, activities, and background for teachers. Non-fiction, first-person accounts are told through videos and the Discovering Heroes book series. They've got a speaker's bureau with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. And they've also got a mobile exhibit, a tractor trailer that's an interactive museum with 9-11 artifacts. All right, so there you have it. Once again, Frank Siller, he'll tell you, never forget, folks, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of these great heroes. Today, of course, uh, what is today's date? Sixth. So we are now... Five days away, Monday, five days away from what I call the 22-year commemoration. I hate to use the word anniversary for a day like that. Folks, do the right thing this morning. Donate just $11 a month. That's it, $11 a month. And you see what these people get, what Frank does with that money. It's extraordinary. Do it at T2T.org. Once again, that's T2T.org. Do good by the Tunnel to Towers Foundation right now this morning, five days before 22 years. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. 
Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to fearlessboilers.com, pavilion to find a dealer near you. Fill the world's best built boilers out on the diamond. The Yanks, they kept rolling with a 5-1 win in last night's series opener at home against the Detroit Tigers. The win marks four straight for New York, complete with another great performance on the mound for ace Garrett Cole, who continues to pad his Cy Young caliber stats on the year. It was also a night to celebrate for slugger Giancarlo Stanton, who jacked his 400th career home run in the sixth inning to give the Yankees a lead that they wouldn't give up. The Bombers will see if they can make it five straight tonight in the middle game with Detroit. First pitch is set for 7.05 p.m. with Clark Schmidt set to take the hill against Detroit's Matt Manning. In Washington, the Mets took care of the Nationals by a score of 11-5 in the first of two in D.C. A four-run first inning pretty much gave New York all the boost they needed to be propelled to the win. And what Mets win recently would not uh, would be complete, I should say, without a long home run off the bat of Pete Alonso to boot. After stringing together two wins in a row themselves now, the Mets will aim for three in a row come tonight's finale with Washington. What a year. Again, I uh, believe home run number 42 last night, Nailed over 100 down. RBI. I know Beningo was on this show a couple of weeks ago when he was compelled to mention Pete Alonso. He's right. I mean, this guy's number is for a bad team this year. But year after year after year, they're incredible. Yeah, he's This wild, guy is legitimately one of the great sluggers in baseball. Wildly, wildly consistent, yeah. I got to say this. You look back at the history of the Mets. You know, Piazza had some big home run seasons. I guess Dave Kingman did. And I'm probably missing a whole bunch of guys, David Wright maybe. But at this point, Pete Alonso may be the greatest home run hitter in the history of the Mets well, after Piazza. Well, yeah. Well, you know, I give it a little bit more time, but yes, I got to think about it. But I've, right. uh, off, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody else. I'm right every there with year, you. I'm every right year, there. forty right and hundred. Yeah, I'm yeah. Right, totally right there with Unbelievable. you. Unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. So Pete Alonso goes deep again, number forty-two, and the Mets to the lane for three in a row. Come tonight's finale with Washington. That's set for seven oh five p.m. Uh, Jose Budo gets a start against Washington's Joan Adan, and it is officially that time. Full slate of Week 1 NFL games kicks off this week on Thursday Night Football. Lions and the defending champion and five-point favorite Chiefs in Kansas City on Thursday Night Football. Locally, the Giants get the division rival Dallas Cowboys at home on Sunday night for their Week 1 matchup. The GM on a three-and-a-half-point underdogs as of now. For the Jets, they get set to welcome the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football as two-and-a-half-point home underdogs there. And tennis's U.S. Open quarterfinals, they continue today as well. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan. To Peerless Boilers, go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. The world's best built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. And now, Sit in Friends in the Morning presents Morning Show Haikus. Oh, here's the actual haiku. I like radio. Sid Rosenberg is on air. He is bald and famous. This has been Sid and Friends in the Morning doing haikus.
Jefferson Starship for you and a Christopher Walken haiku. Nice job by Chris Pavona at 648 on your hump day tunnel to towers Wednesday morning. Sitting friends in the morning with a big, big guest list about to come your way. We talked about my son Gabriel starting high school today and we covered a lot of the major stories, which, of course, uh, Justin Ellick put in the open as he does every day at the very, very beginning of the show. And we, I get a sound sheet every day, just so you know, folks. So people go to me, well, what time do you get to work? What time do you get up? What time do you get to work? It's a very popular question. So when I get up about 3.15, I get to work about 5. Well, what do you do? And usually I want to say, what? Well, what's with the, with the Inquisition? <laughs> what do I do? What do you do? Well, you're famous. They want to yeah, they they wanna wanna know. look. Yeah. They so say I come in, and then I, I'm Justin Ellick, and I give him a couple of... um recommendations for sound. He cuts up a lot of the sound himself. He's very good. And then I listen to it, so I know what to use throughout the program, and I kind of mix that in with these great guests and uh, my top-of-the-line commentary. Okay. What are you you getting out of here? What is the... Well, I just... I don't like today's uh, cut list. Oh, okay. So There's just way too much Corrine Jean-Pierre. I didn't... Well, they're... Yeah. Well, she's talking about a variety of things, and she's stupid. Well, a lot of them, so it might look like a lot, but a few of them are like four or five seconds long. What is she talking about? Joe Biden going to East Palestine? That was like eight months ago. Well, that's why it's in there, because now he's going. No, he's not. Yes. He's first going now? Yes. That's why I put, do you think I would just randomly put that in there? You know, um... (laughs) <laughs> people people will ask me, they go, Sid, in, in your opinion, no, it doesn't matter my opinion, but in your opinion, when do you think it turned around for Trump? And I've said this on the air. He had a horrible December, my friend Trump, horrible. He had the Kanye West dinner. He said he was going to rip up the Constitution. He had that ridiculous training card thing going. It was a bad month. And I said to everybody, the day that President Trump turned it around, and made the American people realize what a great leader he is and how much he cares was when he went to East Palestine. There's no question about that. There's no doubt about that. Joe Biden never went, as Alec told you, he's going now. I mean, people have already gotten cancer. They're half dead already. And Buttigieg, he waited like months. But I guess uh, he is going. Well, let's get to Biden first. He uh, does his press gaggle in Florida over the weekend, this moron. And he talks about Hurricane Arthur Idala. He talks about East Palestine, all these things. He's all over it. Here he is, your president, Joe Biden, cut number one. I said in March that you would go to East Palestine, Ohio. You came here. How come you haven't gone to East Palestine yet? Well, I haven't had the occasion to go to East Palestine. There's a lot going on (laughs) here, and I just haven't been able to break. I was thinking whether I'd go to East Palestine this week, but I then was reminded I've got to go literally around the world. Sure. I'm going from uh, from Washington to India to Vietnam. Right. To, sure. And so I, it's going to be a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're making sure that East Palestine has what they need materially sure. in order to deal with their problems. 
Who do you think uh, that he should say the city's name right first? Would that help? And, and what about all these months he just spent riding his bike in Rehoboth while people were turning all kinds of colors in Ohio? Well, is that what he, he, was he wasn't busy. traveling anywhere. He was very busy. He's the president of the United States. I don't know. It's a very busy schedule. All right, so play this uh, Kareem Jean-Pierre, this Mensa. She talked about this East Palestine visit. This is a KJP, cut number two. You can't make this up. Months and months later, months and months later, Joe Biden is finally on the way to Ohio. Cut number two. He said over the long weekend that he hasn't had the occasion to go to East Palestine. I just haven't been able to break. The <laughs> derailment was on February 3rd. <laughs> President Biden has not had a break since February 3rd. The president will go to East Palestine. He promised that he would. Well, Palestine, as he said. Uh, you saw him. On, uh, so he was not on a break when he was in Lake Tahoe? I will say this again. The president is going to go to East Palestine, as he has yeah. said that he is committed to do. You right. saw him just this Saturday visit uh, a rural area, right, that was uh, devastated. Some parts were devastated by uh, Hurricane Idalia, and he was there with the First Lady. They were able to hear directly from the American people, and he was able to talk about what is it that they need. What is it? What else do they need from the federal government? So the president is going to go to East Palestine. I don't have a time or, or date no. to announce at this time, but he will mm. go. Thank God for Peter Ducey. He's the one guy with a set of balls, and he goes at her. Here he uh, talks about uh, the White House treating Biden like a baby. This is KJP and Peter Ducey, cut number three, Lewis. President Biden is the oldest president in U.S. history. Why does White House staff treat him like a baby? <laughs> no one treats the president of the United States, the commander-in-chief, uh, like a baby. So there's this book that says That's ridiculous. when staff ridiculous claim. what sounded like a call for regime change in Russia, the president, uh, quote, rather than owning his failure, he fumed to friends about how he was treated like a toddler. Was John Kennedy ever babied like that? So look, uh, I'll say this. Um, there's going to be a range, always a range of books uh, that are uh, about every administration, as you know, uh, that's going to have a variety of claims. That is not unusual. That happens all the time. And we're not going to litigate those here. That's something that we're not going to uh, speak to. I saw a poll yesterday in MSNBC, and they asked people, I don't know how many people where it was from, but is Donald Trump too old to be president? And only 46% of those people polled said, yes, he's too old, which means the majority, 54%, don't feel that way. They asked these people the same thing about Joe Biden. 73% said he's too old, leaving the minority at just 27%. So Peter Ducey, once again, coming up big, flat out asked KJP, is your guy too old? This, Lewis is cut number four. Why do you think it is that in a Wall Street Journal poll, two-thirds of Democrats think President Biden is too old to run again? Look, here's what I know. Here's what I can speak to. I can speak to that a president who has wisdom. I can speak to a president who has experience. Oh, shut up. I can speak to a president who has done yeah. uh, historic, has taken historic action. Yes. And taken has millions of dollars. Historic from... pieces of legislation. Right. Shut up. Just shut up. I mean, and I, that's important. I can, I can speak to a president who's taken millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars from his degenerate son directly to him from our biggest enemies across the world. I can speak to that. So then, uh, he, you know, the, the, the biggest criminal, I believe, in that house is not even Hunter or Joe. It's Jill. 
you talk about spousal abuse, Jill Biden should be put in prison for 25 years. Because even though Joe Biden is a bad guy, he's a bad guy. Don't don't confuse the issue. Yes, he suffers from dementia. He's an old man. He's a bad guy. He's corrupt. He knows it. But but he does have some physical limitations, and this Jill puts him out there. Her, his wife is supposed to love him. She doesn't care. So now Jill's got COVID, as if anybody cares. Anybody. She's got COVID. And, you know, they've been uh, talking about uh, mask mandates and lockdowns and all that nonsense because we didn't learn the first time. I thought it wasn't bad enough the first time. So now, just in case you were worried, this is big news now, just in case you were worried, Joe Biden is going to wear a mask. Well, how about that? KJP Lewis, cut number seven. Negative last night for COVID 19 and tested negative again today. He's not experiencing any symptoms. As far as the steps he is taking, since the president was with the first lady yesterday, he will be masking while indoors and <laughs> around people in alignment with CDC guidance. And he, as, as has been the practice in the past, the president will remove his mask when sufficiently distanced from <laughs> others indoors and while outside right. as well. Okay, that's good news. And, of course, they want everybody to get vaccinated. They're encouraging more vaccinations. One more cut. We can move on from this. Start bringing in these wonderful guests. KJP, cut number eight, encouraging Americans to get your vaccinations. Cut number eight. As we head into the fall, we have more tools and systems available today to help communities this fall and winter season, including safe updated vaccines that will be available mid-September, widely available at-home COVID tests, widely available effective treatments, which can reduce the risk of severe illness, hospitalizations, and death. We will be encouraging, as I have said before, Americans to get their updated COVID-19 vaccine in addition to their annual flu shot and also RSV vaccines, as you all know. There you have it, folks. Okay, so Joe's got COVID. Joe doesn't. But uh, Joe's got a lot more problems than that. That wraps up a great hour number one. We start the guest list as we do every weekday morning. They don't come better. This guy, I believe, is the MVP of WABC, Curtis Sliwa. He's going to join me right after the 7 o'clock news with Noam. Then my daughter Ava Rosenberg is here. Congressman Peter King. Attorney Alan Dershowitz. The man who made Inside Man, he's got a major announcement about a possible new movie, which I may be in, Danny A. He actually starred as Roy DeMeo in Inside Man, live in studio, and Colonel Jack Jacobs. A very exciting three hours on your hump day, Tunnel to Towers, Wednesday morning, coming up on New York's favorite talk show, Sid and Friends in the Morning, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. And so remember this. This is the borough that started Blue Lives Matter. Don't you forget white shirts. Don't you forget police. When Black Lives Matter attack you. When Antifa attacked you and they wouldn't let you do anything, Staten Island stood up for you. 
This is a Curtis Lewa favorite music, Push Push in the Bush. That was Curtis yelling last night. He saw that, I'm like, oh, no. Don't tell me arrest number 81 happened after, which it did not. Of course, he gets major ratings noon to one every weekday afternoon. Big ratings hosting overnights all weekend long, but admittedly does his best work with me this time, 7, 10 a.m. every weekday morning. He's an icon. He's a legend. He really is. He's the voice of New York, and everybody loves him, even the people that hate him. Kind of like Scarface when he said, I always tell the truth, even when I lie. Curtis has become so revered. A lot of it is because of what he's doing on a nightly basis, whether it's Creedmoor in Queens, Floyd Bennett Field in Brooklyn, or Staten Island, where he's done a tremendous job. He is our voice. And uh, here's my friend Curtis. I, I think, even though you're a Canorsi boy, a Brooklyn boy, yes. based upon what you've been doing as of late and the support you're getting, is it fair to say at this point that Vito, Nicole, Johnny Tobacco, that Staten Island is your favorite borough? Well, look, half of Brooklyn moved to Staten Island when they That's built true. the plank. Yeah. I mean, half my relatives did the hop, skip, and a jump. You know what they did. They went over to the South Shore, Staten Island, down to the Jersey Shore, Manalapan, right, Tom's River. Next stop, Florida. If they were Jews, if they were like you, they went over the plank. They were in Mid-Island, right near Willowbrook. And then all of a sudden, next stop, Hey, the Poconos, right? The sixth row of the city of New York. And well, then the Lakewood. Poconos is uh, for the Goyim. The Jews don't oh, go wait, to the Poconos. Wait, well, yeah. hold on a second. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot the Jewish Himalayas. Well, we don't go there, right? That's right. All yeah. the Catskills. I forgot. I, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> that's where your, your mother is. My mother is Naomi. in the Catskills in Kanyanga Lake. Right. right. Near but not, not Max Yeager's farm. Exactly, exactly one mile away. Yes. Excellent job, yes, Curtis. Yes, yes, yes. But the Poconos, East Stroudsburg, that's yes. for the guy. And you should know this because we are now just uh, we're about two weeks away from the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, and you've got at least one, maybe even two Jewish children, don't you? I've contributed two to your tribe. <laughs> you know, for all the years, we would practice on the Jews on our way to fight the Muslims and the Crusades, right, for Jerusalem. <laughs> we said, well, how are we going to practice? A pogrom! A pogrom, right? <laughs> they slaughter the Jews, and then they'd be on their way to slaughter the Muslims, and then the Muslims would say, who can we practice on before the Christians arrive? The Jews! The Jews. <laughs> it's true. So tell me about this uh, rally last night. Uh, two things I want to know. First of all, it looked like a really good turnout, and then the audio I played there, you were yelling at the cops, don't yes. forget us, don't forget us. So how was the turnout, and what, what upset you about the police last night? Oh, the, the turnout was magnificent again. The epicenter of the resistance is Staten Island, because you have, you have three factors. You've got the lawyers who were in court. As you remember, the lawyers are representing also Floyd Bennett Field. So the, the residents of Brooklyn and uh, the Rockaways. Oh, so you had my that. friend uh, Lou Geraldino there last Lou night? Lou and his partner, Mark, Mark Goodman. So yes. we gave them applause because they're working around the clock for everybody in the city. Then you had the politicians who've all come together. I've forgiven them all. As you know, Sid, many of them disparaged me. I've forgiven them all because we're all together. But the one who stands out is State Senator Andrew Lanza. He's always there from the beginning to the end. He does not leave. He applauds the speakers. I got it. I looked down so many times. You know, he's a Farrell boy, Monsignor Farrell, longtime friend of Vito Fisella. But I got to tell you, Andrew Lanza, 
is just like the people. He's right in there. So when I'm disparaging the politicians, I don't trust any politicians. He looks up at me. He doesn't give me grief. That man needs to be recognized because he's at every demonstration from beginning to end. And then, of course, they're the rebels. As you know, John Tobacco, Scott Lebedo, and they have christened me the leader of the rebels, which I am. You know, because I don't use the conventional techniques. I said last night, you continue this, Eric Adams, and the drone was right over me. Two drones. Well, stop right there before you get to why you were upset with the police. You just mentioned the drones. And we know that uh, during this uh, migrant crisis, when you and I were out there together in Brooklyn, Eric Adams decided to go to Tel Aviv, a waste of time, waste of money, to battle anti-Semitism like he's going to find a black kid from Brooklyn in, uh, in Tel Aviv. Palestinians don't attack Jews in New York, Mr. Adams. And then, of course, you want to see all that technology, including the drones. So now you're telling me when you go to these rallies that they have drones overhead why would that be the case? Remember, over the weekend, all Eric Adams was said, drones, drones, drones. Remember, he had been to Israel to look at their drones. Yeah. You know he's going to sign a no-bid contract with them, and then there's going to be kickbacks. That's that's what this is all about. And by the way, you notice uh, that in Israel, BB has thrown out all the Eritreans who were seeking asylum. You got that, Eric Adams? You met with BB. Why didn't you say, why are you throwing out the Eritreans? They're black people, right? Because they're not Jews. They don't have the right of return. And they wanted asylum to the best best country in the Middle East, where you have freedom, Israel. The rest of the countries, would you want to flee to? Hell no. (laughs) Especially if you were gay or lesbian. They take you up on top of a roof and push you over to your death. So we got that aside. So I'm speaking always at the end because the crowd doesn't go anywhere. They wait for me. And they hear me every morning with you, Sid. A lot of folks say, I listen to you on Sid. I can't listen to you, you know, the rip and read in the afternoon because I'm working. They wait for 7.05. They listen. And then I'm speaking. And naturally, the, the, the entire crowd is transfixed because I'm running through the whole history. I'm telling narratives. And then I see this freaking drone overhead, clicking away, click, 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 click. You know, the red light. They're taking pictures. They're doing photo recognition technology, both in the front where the speakers were and in the rear, which is about two blocks down. And I look to the white shirts and I say, oh, 1984 or well, this is what it's come to, spying on your friends and neighbors. That's not what the drones were supposed to be used for. Criminals, people shooting at one another. Your mayor has lied again, your commander-in-chief, because everybody knows Gabon does not run the police department. No, I know. Eric Adams does. We know that, Adams and Banks. But why were you directing your anger at the police when, in fact, they were just following their Nazi orders from the mayor? Well, wait. When I first arrived, there were about four of the grandmothers who were there every night. Every night. They're great. When, they, when a bus arrives, They're they great. say, go back to Manhattan, they and, give you hotel rooms. And they do sometimes. Oh, and they go back. I know. Because the illegals look at them and they say, oh, my God, grandmother's telling us to go back. And by the way, to your credit, you, the grandmothers, all your rallies, I believe only 2% of these migrants have ended up in Staten Island. So whatever you're doing is working. But get yeah, go back no to the story. Yeah. So the cop, the white shirts, you can't go into the rally. I said, Why? Because this is a blocked-off area. Meantime, four illegals. I go, hola, 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 hola. That's all they know. Hola, right? Yeah. I say, you let them through, right? 
You build a wall to keep us out. You won't finish the Trump wall, but you build a wall to keep the taxpaying, law-abiding citizens. And I look at the top white shirt, and I say, when Black Lives Matter and Antifa was attacking you, this is where Blue Lives Matter started. The Staten Island residents came out and took on Black Lives Matter and Antifa. And I said, yesterday, your commander-in-chief signed an order, a court decree, surrendering to Black Lives Matter and Antifa, saying we will never again put our hands on them when they demonstrate. Gross. We will be wussies. Gross. We will turn our yep. cops yep. impotent. Yeah. No nightsticks, no kettling, none of the standard measures you use. And the mayor signed that and said, I did it to protect everybody's First Amendment right of free speech. Oh, really? Is that what the Jones are for? <laughs> You're filming. He was watching. Yeah. They didn't deny that the mayor himself was watching because we are perceived of as his enemies. You never let elected officials have Jones because I don't care if they're Democrats or Republicans. They'll turn them on their enemies. Well, you, uh, after the drone experience, I believe, I, want, I don't want to use the word threat. May I say one of... more thing? Sure. I want to give props to Frank Morano, who I consistently pimp slap around. He was there again? No. He is taking this on single-handedly, this drone situation. Oh, I know. He's furious. He is getting attorneys. He's going yes. to Norman Siegel. He's going to a group of civil libertarians. He might even go to Ron Kuby. I know. He's going to join me at 645 tomorrow. Oh, he told me this morning. He's on your side. He's furious. But you did uh, uh, throw a couple of threats out there. Threats is kind of a, a, a hard no, word. No, no, it's realities. Yeah. It's not yeah. threats. Yeah. You know me. Right. I, 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 I'm totally transparent. Right. right. You said uh, two things. First of all, we'll shut down this bridge on Staten Island. And then you said, and basically, Eric Adams, I'm coming for you. I'm running for mayor. That's what the New York Post is reporting this yep. morning. Are both no of those doubt. things I've been true? saying that on your show forever. I haven't filed a single piece of paper officially. I haven't collected one donation. What are you waiting for? Uh, well, because the moment I do that, I'm off the air. And then how do you pay all your ex-wives? Don't I? I hey, look. <laughs> I it's, guess it's I, like I, I sell plasma. <laughs> I guess you can go to Keith Kanchowitz. I was with him last night, and uh, you came up during the dinner conversation. These are all your favorite people. And uh, they said, you know, I know Curtis has his heart set on running against Eric Adams for mayor. But the more we think about it, and Governor David Patterson, your, your uh, step, what do you call him? Your, Husband-in-law. Uh, Husband-in-law. Who disparaged me the last time. How quick you are to forgive these people. No, I, forgot. I totally forgave him. He's my friend now. Yeah, because uh, he said nice things about you. <laughs> he did. He said I could be the greatest radio host in the history of New York City. But on a serious note, they said, listen, Curtis should really set his sights. Forget about Adams. Curtis should set his sights on your friend, all-out crazy, AOC. And they explained why it made some sense. That's it. Yeah. You're yeah. a smart guy. I'm a very smart guy, yes. Keith, Keith, Keith Kantrowitz does business with City Hall. Who's sitting right next to him? Your friend from the hot tub in the Rockaways, Anthony Carone. No, he was across the table. It was actually me, Patterson, and Colucci. They're all in cahoots. David Patterson, who said, he doesn't have a chance in hell. He said you can beat AOC, yeah, Governor David Patterson. they want me to focus. First of all, they're afraid of AOC. Do you ever hear Eric Adams name and shame AOC? Or never, crazy? never. He is so frightened of a challenge on the left. So they figure, let's convince Curtis to go at AOC. This way he gets involved in that battle, and then Eric Adams doesn't have to worry about it. Guess what, Keith Kantrowitz and the rest of you? Last night, you should have been in Staten Island. No way. 
If you are you nuts? If you were in we Seattle, had a wonderful dinner I'm in New York sure City. You did. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you no did. No risk oh, of being arrested. By the way, <laughs> who was sitting there with you? The transit police. Let me tell you something. This guy Kemper, uh, he's the highest ranked Jewish person. Oh, that's all that matters, right? That's he's all I one care of the about. chosen people. And, and, and let me say this: he is an avid. Sitting friends in the morning, listener, and I'll a bet. sweetheart. I'll bet I remember him when he was at the 75th precinct. <laughs> but you but know anyway, this, but you can't call him out because, let, let's be honest. I Tony, have to call him out. But whoever has What's that, the number one story today? Who, I understand the subway stuff. But whoever has that job can't succeed. It's impossible. Look, if if I were the mayor and he was sitting with you on a day that his cops released that monster who beat that woman yeah. 50 times in the head, I'd say, Kemper, Come into my office with your badge and your gun. No, you will Go retire in Boca Raton. Well, you, you, man, you, you did leave out, not that that woman deserved any of that. It was grotesque, and I feel horrible. But you did leave out the fact, this is unbelievable, that the woman who got beat with her own cane had a longer arrest record than the guy doing the beating. You kind of left that out oh, yesterday. Oh, 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 it doesn't matter Sid, now. What, George Floyd got arrested Sid, nine Sid, times? Let me ask you a question. All right, sure. You saw that video. It was gross. The cops arrived at the scene. <laughs> yeah. The token booth clerk had the video. They didn't even ask to see the video. This is what they always do because they don't want to make arrests. They don't want to make the deputy inspector at the precinct, probably the same precinct that photographed me and fingerprinted me recently, the 28th precinct, look bad. So they say to her, who's been hit 50 times, you know, if we arrest him, we have to arrest you. If we arrest him. Well, that's not right. Not right. So why wasn't Kemper into this? He, you know what he's he said? not allowed to have dinner? It's, he's not allowed to eat dinner? I don't understand. It's not clear what precipitated well, the assault. Really? Well, we don't know. Sid. Did you see the whole video? One meal and all already. <laughs> Already, you're at the burning bush with this guy. Oh, Kemper, he likes right? the show, Curtis. I mean, you got to understand. What are you going to his kids' bar mitzvahs now? <laughs> you know why they're meeting with you? They're trying to sugar you up. They know that Eric Adams can't, but these many of them are friends of Eric Adams. Who was the Barbie doll who was there? Well, this is a person I know you love. So there were there were two women there. One was uh, I don't know either one of these ladies. One was Shannon Chang. I think she's just a uh, I believe a mortgage person. But the other lady that did show up happens to be a Democrat from the 38th district, Don Tepe's district, and her name, I'm sure you know her, is Jennifer Rajkumar. Oh, how could you not know her? She's always a lady in the red dress. She's always next to Eric Adams. Are you sure that's not his home slice? I don't know that, actually. Well, why don't you ask her? Well, uh, I don't believe at a dinner table with ten men I should ask Jennifer, are you banging the mayor? Let me tell you something. <laughs> Everything you said, yeah. Sid, is going back to the mayor. How do you know that? Uh, not, come on. Half the crew there. Well, the well, only they, true supporter of Curtis Lee with it. Yeah, besides Mark me. Simone. Is Mark who? Simone. Every day Mark, Mark Simone? Simone said on the radio, Curtis Lee should be mayor. And Paul Carlucci. The Carlucci rest? loves you. No, Carone likes you, too. Uh, he loves the yeah, in the too. hot tub. <laughs> yeah, but I will say, I told this girl, Jen, I said, you know, I was very close with the mayor, too. She goes, I know, I listen to your show every day. A Democrat listens every day. I said, but I do place a lot of the illegals, not migrants, a lot of the illegal crisis on him. I believe he screwed up. And I expected her to start yelling and screaming and, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And she said, okay. Maybe someday down the road you and Eric can figure it out, but we'll remain friendly. Uh, yeah. Sid, remember Matahari? Yes, I do. Yeah. You know what a honeypot is, right? <laughs> I do, yeah. She's going right back to the main. He can't talk to you now, right, because his ego won't permit him. 
Is that what it is? Smartest thing in the world would be for him to get back on your show. I mean, that would be the smartest thing by a mile, What's right? the only show he does? Caribbean radio. And what? even the other day, West Indian Caribbeans in the parade were turning on him. Turning. That's the only radio he does. Who does he do interviews with every week? What about uh, Joe and Mika on television? Well, watch that. What about his own radio show on WBLS? Is that over already? They don't even have that up on the website. <laughs> it is so bad. Well, in all seriousness, and I told Fabian Levy this, the mayor was doing his best. And I mean this in terms of popularity. Uh, there were actually Republicans, independents, listening to this show that was starting to like him when he was on with me. You turn your back on me. And the whole table will tell you this. I'm not trying to come off like a tough guy. You turn your back on me in this city, you're in big trouble. Well, let me tell all of your friends there at the table who are trying to convince me to run against AOC, uh, don't believe the hype, pal. I'm going after Eric Adams. That's it. This is personal. He is destroying the whole city. The whole city. He has welcomed in the illegal aliens. He's saying, "I'm who's your daddy? He brings them in. He spends our money. Our kids are going to school tomorrow, right? Today, my son. Thursday. He's allowing 19,000 kids of illegals to go into school. Not one vaccination. None. And yet. And barely speak English. Any other kid would have to be fully vaccinated. Of course. Now, why the double standard? Well, you tell me. Because he loves the illegals and he hates us. Why does he love the illegals? Because he thinks this is the road, the pathway to Pennsylvania Avenue, that one day the Latinos are going to be normalized, they're going to be able to vote, and they're going to remember he'll get the African-American vote, the Latino vote. Guys like Keith Kantrowitz and the rest of them are telling him, you could be president, you could be president. You know, I've known you for a long time. We've got to wrap this up, Sean. It's been brilliant. And uh, you, you pay a lot of attention to politics, and you have become the New York hero. I don't remember, I'm trying to think, in all the years I've known you, I don't remember, even your Trump stuff, I don't remember you being nearly as angry about any other politician. This is sincere. This yes. is not an act. Yes. This is authentic, as you are about the mayor, Eric Adams. And is And then people will say, well, that's because... Eric B. Curtis. And I used to joke around about that, too. But that's not it. No. You really are hurt because no. you feel like he's destroying your city, the one you've defended without making a penny for 40-plus years. out in the streets with homeless people emotionally disturbed? You. Those with drug problems, alcohol problems. You. I'm in the shelters. He hasn't been to a shelter. My God, he might get a stain on his $5,000 customized all-silk suit. God forbid he touch a homeless person. I not only touch them, I care for them, I bathe them. I give them food, and I say, oh, the majority are African-Americans, just like Eric Adams. And they'll tell me straight up, I didn't vote for you, Curtis, but I don't dislike you. But this time around, he has forsaken us. We should have been in the front of the line. Now we're in the back of the line. Migrants who we don't even know, they have no ID. They could be gangbangers, drug dealers, sex traffickers. Many of them are. They could be terrorists. We're on the cusp of 9-11. Some guy in some hovel, some cave in Yemen, in Saudi Arabia, in Iraq, any of our enemies is saying, what a bunch of suckers they are. That's why they created ICE. And Eric Adams calls ICE stunts. He will not work with ICE. They are heroes every day. They put on bulletproof vests. 
Staten Island created Blue Lives Matter, and that includes ICE. And I will become Eric Adams' worst nightmare. You will not destroy this city, this state, this country over my dead body. And I'm running against you, not AOC. in the morning 77 WABC One of the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time, Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd. You know, we celebrate people's birthdays on this show. It's kind of a thing with Lou and Sid. People love it, including O'Reilly. And we also celebrate heavenly birthdays. We're not celebrating this guy's birthday. He's a scumbag, one of the worst people God ever created. Seriously, anti-Semite piece of shizzle, Roger Waters. But he is part of Pink Floyd, and I still love the band. I do love this song. So, miserable birthday out to you, Roger Waters, you son of a bitch. God, I hate you. My next guest, I know her pretty well. I should, I guess. I cut the umbilical cord when she came out of her mom. All the way back on April 7th of 2004, on a snowy morning at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. And then we took her home to Tenafly, New Jersey, 
And then you know the rest of the story. 19 years later, my daughter's done a lot of pretty amazing stuff and uh, is about to go back to Wales, which is a fast train 90-minute ride away from London for her second of three years at Cardiff, a great university. So my son starts high school today, but my daughter is about to go to year two, and she did uh, very, very well year one, very well, very proud of her and love her. And she's back in studio because she's going back soon. I guess she's going to miss me. She wants to see her daddy do his thing because I am the best. It's my daughter, Ava. You said word. Yes. (laughs) That means you agree with that. Yes, I do agree. Really? I I thought you would have said dad. Don't say that. You're extremely talented. (laughs) And just because I don't agree on all of the content doesn't mean that I can't acknowledge true talent. Wow. Well, thank you for that. You don't agree on any of the content. What do you mean? I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say I don't agree with anything. I could say there are lots of points made that I completely agree with. Right. But sometimes I don't agree with the. Well, let me the give whole an example. Statement. Let me give an example. Okay. You actually sat in studio. Okay. At seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. So for people that don't see the studio, mm-hmm. I am in one chair. Directly in front of me is Curtis. Yes. And you're to my left. Mm-hmm. And you know Curtis for years. And very yes. nice hello this morning. But as Curtis was going on and on about the illegals or migrants, you looked like you wanted to jump out the window. And then when the interview was over and Curtis was was exchanging pleasantries with you, you didn't even pay attention to him. No, no, no. I was, I kind of got zoned out on my phone. Is that what it was? I have respect for Curtis's passion. You do. But, however. You disagree. No, no, no. I don't, I could, I don't disagree with everything because I do agree that the, uh, migrants should be vaccinated before going into school because that's a health priority. But um, I don't agree with um, turning them away. You don't um, agree with that, right? So, to an extent, uh, you, to an extent. I think I have a, maybe yeah. a little bit more sympathy, especially for the women and children. Well, they're not um, here. This is mostly able-bodied but, but men. But when we were talking about the, the kids yeah. going into schools, um, I for me, I value education so much. I think it's it's my passion, probably learning. Like law school has been fundamental for me in just high school, and middle school. And I think children who are vaccinated, having the opportunity to be able to learn in this city uh, is is priceless. Okay. And it's, they don't have the same educational opportunities where they're coming from. Well, that's true. And maybe, as you said, education gives people a new start. You find mentors. You find your passions, and these people can be doing great things later if given the chance, especially the children. So, yes, I do believe that the children should be vaccinated, but I don't think we should turn their back on them to have the opportunity to have an education because they're children. Okay, fair enough. You make a uh, an excellent point and a, and a heart-driven point. I like that. So your brother starts high school today. You're yes. the older child. You are uh, you turn 19 in April. Mm-hmm. Gabriel will turn 15 in November. Mm-hmm. And you guys, uh, I've noticed the last year uh, – I mean, all the, I have three sisters, two sibling rivalries. Mm-hmm. But over the last year, and really this summer, you and Gabby have gotten really close. For sure. So how do you feel this morning with your little brother starting high school? It's kind of surreal, but at the same time, being so close to him, I don't even view him as a high schooler. So for me, he's still always going to be at that middle school age. Right. That's my perspective. So for me and your mother, he's mm-hmm. always going to be the little baby age. Yeah. But honestly, he's starting to act a lot more like a teenager. 
kind of annoying me. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just it's so weird to see. And I remember when I was in high school, like starting high school and all of the awkwardness and weird emotions. And I hope he just has a good time. And I also hope he does work hard and makes good friends because some of the friends you make in high school are friends, your friends for life. You've had those uh, types of, of experiences. Penelope sure. yeah. and Miriam and, yeah. Penelope, Miriam, and uh, who are we missing? Jackson. Jackson's a good kid, yeah. yes, yes. So uh, you, you're about to go to Wales in a mm-hmm. couple of weeks, and we're going to cry again in the morning. It's going to be brutal. Of course. Oh, I want to also give a shout-out to, I'm going to, her name is Olga. I may butcher her last name. It's I think it's Pizzy Menti. I don't know how to say it. Oh, she's great on but Instagram, yes. I want to thank her for being so kind and supportive. Olga and Pat both love you on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so you, um, you're um, you going to leave on the 19th, which is less yes. than two weeks away. You'll yes. be back in December. We'll cry the whole thing. Maybe even Thanksgiving if oh, we can. Oh, even better. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you feeling heading into year two? Nervous or? I'm excited because I am more settled because I know Cardiff now. Right. I know the UK a lot better now. I have a better understanding of the place. But also, I'm moving into a new place. I'm living in a house with five of my friends. So we're living in a six-bedroom home that's not in the city center. Right. It's a wa- it's a quick walk to it. So it's it's going to be different, but it's also going to be exciting. And I'm excited for the classes I'm taking. Good. I signed. I have to do tort law, land law, and then I'm doing public international law, and then a module about crime law and society. So I'm really excited. And in the end, uh, just so you know, these Mm -hmm. girls are not mommy and daddy. So Mm -hmm. the way you leave your room and the way you leave (laughs) dishes on the table, me and mommy just clean it. No, I don't. Gabe does. No, No you do. Please. Your room is a disaster. My my room is a disaster, but it's my room. It doesn't affect anyone else. Okay, but these other girls, that that may annoy them. I have my own room. What, they're going to walk into my room and do an inspection? That's not how it works. What, are you going to fight with them? No one's going into my room, and I'm not going into anyone else's room. Fair enough. So in the end, all these law classes, I love you, the law <laughs> classes you're taking, Yeah. You, you and we have to wrap this up because mm-hmm. Peter King is on the phone, but you, you want to move towards, maybe I'm wrong mm-hmm. now, but you've always wanted to move towards defending young ladies who have been involved in sex trade, mm-hmm. which is really grotesque. Is that still something, you, uh, even the FBI you talked about, which I don't want you to do, but are these still passions of yours? Yes, I have a passion for international human rights law. And um, even when it comes to like war crimes, genocide, just crimes against humanity, the stuff that a lot of people don't want to do. And I have a crash of passion for protecting, supporting and empowering disadvantaged women. Uh, I always have since I was little. Yes, that's true. So I want to do whatever I can to help with that. You even helped me and mommy when we were working with Place, Place of, of Hope, Hope. Yeah, down yeah. in Boca. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So that's that's my goal. That's still your goal. Yes, like okay. at one point, like my biggest dream, yeah. aside from all of the the legal stuff, yeah. would be to actually be able to go to places like Cambodia and actually uh, meet with the government and law enforcement and help uh, carry out sting operations. No, where... you're not going to do that. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. In fact, I have friends at the FBI at every level, and that's not going to happen. Okay. Uh, on the way out, <laughs> in three years... Will Ava Caroline Rosenberg be in New York or London? Um, California. What? You know that I want to be a licensed lawyer in New York and California. Those are the two states. So that... you're coming back to the states. Yes. So you're not going to live in England. You're not no, going to stay I'm, there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be oh. like I, I always say this to you. 
I'm going to be in all the places because I want to practice international law, so I want to be able to travel. Better make a lot of money right away because if you're to be in all these places, of course, while you're still in school, daddy has to pay for that. But if I'm qualified enough, then hopefully I can make good money. Well, you are qualified enough because you're brilliant. When I am. Yeah, you're you're a genius. You got your mother's uh, brains, your mother's good looks. And uh, I don't know what you have of mine, but you turned out to be a great kid. <laughs> well, mom says we're just like each other. So yeah, I mommy, guess I mom, mommy's, uh, mommy couldn't be more wrong. Uh, listen, I love you. Love I'm you proud too. of you. I'm already sad you're leaving, so but I got two weeks, so that's good. Yeah. And thank you for getting up at uh, the crack of dawn this morning, coming to I work with me. I didn't even go to bed. I know you didn't. I know you didn't. You know, I was your age once too, by the way, Eva. It's a long time ago, but I was your age once too. That's how Dad used to do it anyway. (laughs) And he knows. He he was there with me, Lou, Ava. You should know this. That's funny. Uh, Thank you. You were great, Ava. Ava Rosenberg right there. Goodbye, citizens. I love you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Chrissy Hines, a pretender, is back on the chain gang. 7.52 on your Wednesday morning. My next guest, I always say, along with Rudy Giuliani, the two best local politicians in my lifetime. And if God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April. Mr. Long Island, Homeland Security, he does it all. The great Congressman Peter King. Pete, good Wednesday morning, buddy. How are you? Since doing great. And, you know, good luck to you and Gabe and Ava. That was uh, you know, great to listen to. Well, thank you. And uh, you're a great father, too. Your son, Sean, and uh, your, your beautiful daughter, Erin, and Rosemary, your beautiful wife. You guys are a great family, too. And that's part of the reason why the Rosenbergs love you guys, the King family. I do want to get to uh, an important story out of your county, though, a guy that you and all my friends out there, Cairo, the Esposito, Blakeman, you've been trying to get rid of him for a while, and it looks like he may get rid of himself because he may, in fact, enter a guilty plea and a plea bargain deal. George Santos, this may be over soon. What are you hearing? Yeah, I'm hearing that, too. I mean, again, with Santos, you can't believe anything. But as far as I'm concerned, the sooner he goes, the better. He's done more harm, not just to the Republican Party, but to the whole political system, the whole governmental system. He's made a mockery of things. I've never met such a uh, an obsessive liar in my life. Everything about him is a lie. Now, you always find people who exaggerate this, they exaggerate that. They say they graduated from college, but they only went for three years. Or they say they had this rank in the Army was really another rank. This guy, everything, everything is a lie. Well, by the way, you know, dead, so. you know who's very similar to this guy? All kidding aside, not because I don't like him, but Joe Biden. Think about it. Once he told the truth about anything, including schooling, where he was, certain dates, he's right there with him. Yeah, he's up there. And with Biden, like, there's always maybe a grain of truth, and he has to exaggerate it beyond belief, and he leaves himself open. Fair. Uh, it makes no sense. You know, I graduated right. at the top of my class. He was actually at the bottom of his class. <laughs> he graduated. Leave it at that, you know. We just graduated from law school. 
Don't say you were top loss to it when you barely made it. And uh, so you, you go on again. He got locked up with Mandela, whatever he said he did. I mean, all this stuff he exaggerates about. Yeah, and again, it's enough that he was over in South Africa, but he has to say he was locked up. Or uh, it's anyway, it's never enough for Biden. He's got to embellish everything. But as far as Santos. The sooner he goes, the better. I agree. I want to go back to uh, Ukraine-Russia with you. And everyone knows that the King Rosenberg argument has been that since the beginning. And I don't want to get into that right now. But I do want to ask you where you are with it. Now we're 19 months in. There doesn't seem to be an end anywhere in sight. In fact, the fighting has intensified. We give them just enough money to keep this war going, not enough to really end it. So do you still feel as strongly today as you did 19 months ago when you first told me we need to be involved. Yeah, I do, because to me, we have to stop Russia. And I'm not talking about Russia taking over the world. I'm saying if they can if they can prevail in Ukraine with all of the uh, U.S. and Britain and France, all these countries against them, if they can prevail there, that's going to uh, expand their economic influence in Europe. Countries like Germany are going to start leaning toward Russia. You're going to see in Asia right now the countries such as Korea and Japan are watching how we uh, act there as to whether or not we're going to defend Taiwan. So this is ramifications that go beyond. And that's why you find countries like Sweden and Finland, who have been neutral forever, they both want to be in NATO because they see that Russia wants to expand. Not like the old Soviet Union wants to take over the world, but again, working with China, working for that matter with Iran and North Korea, they can establish a new economic order, and that will enable them to move militarily. And again, I'm more concerned about China, but with Russia, if they can destabilize Europe, and they could do it, I believe. Already have countries like Germany, I think, are just looking for an excuse to go with Russia. So, no, I, I think we have to sustain it. And, again, it's not American troops fighting. It's not American troops on the line. And I wish Biden would give them the weapons and not hold, you know, give the Ukrainians the weapons and not hold them back the way they are. And, again, I, I think it's important to note, though, it's not just me. I mean, it's, you know, it's Rich Lowry. It's uh, Marco Rubio. It's uh, basically every leading Republican. All, all cycles. And, you know, House of Representatives. All okay, cycles. Right, okay. <laughs> They're all cycles. No, no, I'm just, listen, it's fine. Yeah. I'm not going to argue about the war, but I will ask you this, because you make some great yeah. points about the, the, the actual territories, and, and certainly Putin's a bad guy. No one could argue any of that. You're 100% right, Peter. But is there any part of you, like me, that is worried that Biden will continue to give Zelensky whatever he wants because he's compromised because of the Burisma deal and all the monies the Bidens have received from the Ukraine over the years in that he can never really tell Zelensky no. Is that an issue for you or not really? Not not really, because, again, you know, the strongest supporters of uh, supporting Zelensky are Republicans. Uh, Biden is there. I give him credit for that. But having said that, he hasn't done enough. And, again, almost every leading Republican I can think of in, in the House and Senate Strongly, you know, strongly supports uh, aiding Zelensky. Also, Zelensky came after all that corruption. He basically was elected as an anti-corruption uh, leader. And he's, listen, I think Ukraine has always got to have a good amount, a bad amount of uh, corruption, but Zelensky is, is removing people, getting them out. So I, I don't see the link between Zelensky and Biden. Okay. And as far, yeah. Okay, fair enough. What do you think about the latest developments which have a meeting as possible as early as next week between our friend Rocket Man, as Donald Trump calls him, and right. Putin, uh, a possible arms deal between North Korea and Russia in Russia's effort to uh, obliterate uh, the Ukraine. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that shows what can happen. Uh, that it, That is a possibility, and that's why we have to be, I think, very strong against Russia. And, and I'd say increase sanctions against North Korea, make sure we stabilize with South Korea and Japan, South Korea, Japan, Australia, countries like that in, in that region of the world. 
because it's not just Russia and North Korea. Also, you have China as an influence there. Iran is an influence there. It's a, it's a dangerous world. And I think if we back off in Ukraine, we just encourage that. And also it sends a signal to countries who are, let's say, on, uh, on the edge, countries like Germany, who I don't, I don't trust at all. I can see them uh, you know, uh, making their way. And then you're going to have uh, in uh, Asia, I mean, yeah. Japan has dramatically increased its defense budget. They're now working with South Korea for the first time really in history, certainly in the last 100 years. And uh, that's going to start to weaken if they see us backing down in Ukraine because we're uh, worried about Russia and North Korea. We should be worried, but we can't back down. My daughter, Ava, at one point last year was hysterical. She's sitting right next to me. You just heard her. And uh, she texted me and Danielle, and she said, oh, my God, I think Putin's going to bomb us in London. He's going to nuke us in London. I said, Ava, will you stop? And then uh, when I hung up the phone, I started thinking about it. And, and of course, I still felt the same way. But uh, she's in London. You mentioned Germany. Do you think these European countries eventually need to worry about Putin, or only if this war continues? I think they want to worry about if the war doesn't continue. I mean, if, if, uh, if Russia prevails at all in Ukraine, then I think you're going to see enormous economic pressure from Russia to destabilize Europe, and you're going to have Germany uh, getting closer to Russia. Not just they want to be, but they just don't want to uh, confront them. And that's going to weaken the United States. We're going to be weakened economically. We're going to be weakened geographically. And meanwhile, China is moving into Africa, Central America, countries like that, yeah. uh, parts of the world like that. So it's a dangerous world. I think we have to stop them there. And so long as there's other troops doing it, it makes it less uh, stressful for the United States. But no, it is a dangerous world. I mean, Russia is always going to have nuclear weapons. Uh, Iran is going to have nuclear weapons soon. We know that Pakistan has nuclear weapons. India has nuclear weapons. We live in a very dangerous world. You know, I was really proud of you a couple of weeks ago, Peter. I mean, I've been proud of you forever, but the folks that don't realize this, uh, a lot of the monies that go to the survivors, 9-11, uh, I'm not talking about folks that died that day, the 3,000 that perished, the folks that have died since. That was not a one-day event. More people have died the last 22 years yeah. than on that actual day. And and your work, you and, and even John Stewart, I can't stand it, but he did great with this. Uh, make sure that these families get money for a hundred years. Proud of you about that. But a couple of weeks ago, you went to Washington D.C. and I thought it was great. They were asking you and other folks about, I guess, what's the most impending danger. And you said, "Hey, I know we're 22 years removed, but if what happened last year in Afghanistan with those 13 soldiers getting killed, and it looks like Al Qaeda and ISIS are starting to reassemble, we better not let our guard down because." It can happen again. That did happen a couple of weeks ago, and with 9-11 now just a couple of days away, Peter, I'm sure you feel even more strongly about that, yes? Yeah, I, I, I really do. I mean, 9-11 could happen again. I'm not trying to scare people. The fact is, al-Qaeda, ISIS, Islamist fundamentalists, they are poised at any time to try to attack again. And once we let our guard down at all, they you know, they, they could do it. They, they have uh, allies everywhere, unfortunately, and... Uh, what happened on 9-11 could well happen again if we had any way let our guard down. We should never forget 9-11. This isn't something in the rearview mirror that we talk about in history class. This, in many ways, is real today. Not only are people still dying from 9-11, but the enemy is still out there. ISIS, al-Qaeda, their affiliates, al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, uh, uh, Boko Haram, all, of the, all parts of the world, they are poised and they are constantly uh, uh, looking for ways to attack us. We can't let our guard down. These are evil, evil people. What are you thinking in five days? We'll wrap it up with this, Peter. Five days away from the actual 22-year commemoration. And I know you were worried about Rosemary that day because I believe she was on an airplane or somewhere, your beautiful wife. But when you wake up 
five days from now, 22 years later, what's the first thing you think of? Uh, mainly all the friends and neighbors who were killed. And also, uh, yeah, the other side of that is, uh, is the tremendous resistance the American people showed. I mean, for those days, weeks, and months afterwards, the United States was phenomenal, whether it was Rudy Giuliani in New York or the cops and the firefighters, the construction workers, whether it was you know the military, whether it was really a country coming together, and also the grieving that went on with all those families, the endless funerals and wakes. So something we should never, ever forget. And I think some people somehow think that happened a long time ago. It was a one-off. No, it's not. What happened that day, it was America's worst moment, but also in many ways our most heroic moment. So we have to keep that and go forward. Peter, well done as always, man. Not even a good appearance. Once again, a great appearance. I love you. Maybe uh, you'll hop on with us on Monday. We're going to do a special 9-11 show, and you were certainly a part of it then and, and uh, certainly a part of it since. So if you wouldn't mind hopping back on on Monday, we'd love to have you. Thank you so much, buddy. Absolutely. Okay, right. thank you. You too. There right he on. is, the great Congressman Peter King. Great every Wednesday right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. And that wraps up our first two hours, only halfway through. A lot more good stuff to come, including Alan Dershowitz. Danny A. Oh, inside man, Danny A. He's going to be here. And some more special guests. Hour three, right after Noam with the News and Chrissy Hines and the Pretenders. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Once again, a very happy birthday here to my friend Dolores, Dolores Riordan, the lead singer here of the Cranberries. How do you say it? Oh. Oh, Riordan. Oh, Riordan. She's dead, I know that. Yeah, so she can't get mad at you. No. She would have been 52 years old today, but she's dead a long time, Dolores. That'll be four or five years, right? Uh, 2018, I think. She can say, make this louder. Come on, Dolores. Come on, baby. She may be the second greatest Irish singer ever next to Bono. I don't know. Is that a crazy statement? She's really good. Well, the richest one is um, Enya. Yeah. 
That's right. Did I ever talk to you about <laughs> the weirdest one in Ireland That's is Enya. Enya. A true lunatic. And we just lost uh, Sinead O'Connor not that long ago. Oh, yes. Ago. Yeah. So there you got a lot. I got a lot. All right, so we've had a great show already. Curtis Sliwa, my daughter Ava Rosenberg was great. Peter King was terrific. Still to come, big-time attorney Alan Dershowitz, he's going to tell you this this move by Trump's, I guess, opponents and Adam Schiff and these low-life Democrats to try to invoke the 14th Amendment, Section 3, just doesn't work here. Alan Dershowitz coming up at 840. Danny A., the man that directed, produced, and starred as Roy DeMeo in The Inside Man, which is a movie I was in, great movie. He'll be live in studio announcing another movie. And there's a chance I'll be in that one, too, a very exciting movie. And Colonel Jack Jacobs coming up at 920. But you did hear a promo during that commercial break. where We talked about this month here at WABC being... Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. So tomorrow night is going to be our annual celebration. It's really a John Katzmatidi's birthday party. And God love John. I love him so much. Him and Margo, he deserves it. At Cipriani's for the second straight year. But we've had it at other places. They've had it, I should say. According to Mark Simone last night, they've been doing it for 25 years. But tomorrow night, they're also going to honor Cousin Brucey, a legitimate legend and a deserved honor. But last year, when we celebrated 100 years of WABC Radio, they had me go up on stage to actually give an award to Howard Cosell's grandson. Swear to God, some sports award. But the kid never showed up, and I decided instead I was going to dedicate my time on stage to my partner, Bernard, who was dying at the time. He was dying. And uh, we had that event September of last year, and Bernie passed away October the 5th. So I believe tomorrow, for the second consecutive year, along with Chad, I'll be back on stage talking about my late friend Bernard. And that's why Prostate Cancer Awareness Month means so much to me. I was here for every second of it. From the first day, the first day, I'll never forget it when he came back from the bathroom and he said, Ow, man, burning. Something's wrong. And I said, Yeah, you have a UTI, dummy. Clearly you've got a urinary tract infection. And he said, Okay, I'll go to the doctor. And the next 13 months was hell. And now he's gone. So what we're going to do on this show is once a week for this entire Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, bring on some of the best doctors in New York City to help some of you folks from suffering the tragic end that my dear friend Bernard did. Dr. Tawari, who's about to join me now, happens to be, I believe, head of urology at Mount Sinai. Doesn't get much bigger than that. So let's welcome him in. Dr. Tawari, Sid Rosenberg, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. And I've been hearing you about the Bernie. What a tragic story, but we can turn it into a memory which can make an impact on many others who are going through this journey. Well, I'll tell you this, he did not die in vain, because I still get messages from a lot of folks, Dr. Tawari, a lot, that say, hey, because of Bernard, I do go get tested now. You know, Bernie, uh, and I hope these numbers are right. If they're not, I, I, I apologize. But I believe his PSA was something as high as 18, two years before he went back to the doctor. And at that point, it was already too late. We didn't know that, but it was. But you get a number like that, Doc, and that's got to get you back to the doctor every day, no? 
so that's the journey of prostate cancer. It's in one of the most annoying cancers because there may be literally thousands of patients who will have prostate cancer with a very low PSA. And if you let the PSA go up, just like Bernie's PSA went to 18, then the battle is a little bit more complicated. Don't lose hope. We still win. But if you let prostate cancer speak to you, you are mostly at a disadvantage. What I mean, Bernie's burning in the urination was the first symptom he noted before he went to the doctor to get checked for prostate. Now, prostate cancer is best tackled when it is silent. Don't let it become big enough that it produces symptoms because by the time symptoms come, it may be a little too late. And that's the reason a healthy person should have a conversation about PSA and prostate cancer because that's when we are dealing with a curable cancer. 95% of my cancer patients to live 20 years, 30 years. So we don't have to lose this battle just because we didn't talk about it. And that's what you are doing. That's what I'm doing. And let's bring prostate cancer screening on the forefront of the discussion point. Well, God bless you. Dr. Tawari once again uh, runs urology at Mount Sinai. He's ahead of it. And um, you're right. I mean, by the time Bernie went in, and we had no idea, but it had spread throughout his body. And um, it hit his brain by the time he died. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, but um, there's always been this, um, uh, I guess, difference in opinion as to what age men should go to the doctor and start to get their prostate exam. I used to hear 50 when I was a kid. Now I hear 40. So you tell me what is the... Uh, what is the right age? So for everyone who is listening, if they are 50 to 69 years of age, there should always be a discussion about PSA. If they want to talk about it, they can start the discussion at an age of 45. And if they happen to be black, if they have a family history of uh, prostate cancer in the family, they know that they have a BRCA mutation, then they can start this discussion at an age of 40. So between 40 to 50 is in special group, 50 to 69, everyone should be talked about it. And age has an impact on PSA. So PSA can be a little bit high at a specific age, but for each age we have a milestone that it should not be higher than a certain number, what we call age-specific PSA. And that's what we need to bring up in front of everyone who is listening, that Talk about PSA. Talk to your doctors about the PSA. Don't wait for symptoms to come. We can still cure it. We cure a lot of the patients who have an advanced cancer. But why to make a battle more complicated for you and for the medicine just by not presenting for a checkup? Two years earlier, it was a curable cancer. This year, it may be a difficult one. Yeah. So I just got a text. This is uh, actually kind of funny, Dr. Tawari. My sister, Ray Sherry who's in upstate New York right now, just texted me. And she said, oh, my God, you're speaking to Dr. Tawari. He did Albert. Albert is my brother-in-law, Ray Sherry's husband. You did his surgery. so And he loves you. So there's actually a you have a relationship with my dearest family members, 
You operated on my brother-in-law, Albert, and he loves you. So thank you for that. I would ask you this uh, on the way out. Besides getting tested and maybe at an earlier age than we originally thought, what else can men do to try to avoid this later in life? Is there anything they can do? couple of things. Uh, getting the PSA done is one of the most important factors. Having an awareness about prostate cancer is another one. Having any symptoms in the urination, any blood in the urine, any pain in passing urine, any difficulty in passing urine, waking up again and again, don't ignore the symptoms. Go to a doctor, get yourself checked, and eat healthy, manage your weight, exercise, sleep well. All these things are important too. And to increase the awareness, actually, we are having a next week on 20th of September, a push-up challenge in which everyone is going to do 35 push-ups. Nice. So remember the 35,000 men which we have lost this year to prostate cancer. So That, that is great. I want to get involved in that. Where, where are we doing that? I mean, I love doing push-ups anyway. Where is that going to happen? So it is happening in the Sinai, but you can do it anywhere. You can record it and send it to us, and we will take it to the social media to talk about Men are doing push-up to fight, fight prostate cancer away from us. Well, listen, uh, I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough. Once again, this is uh, Ashutosh, Doctor Tawari. He is the chairman of urology at Mount Sinai. Um, we'll be doing this all month long, but we started with you because we know just how great a doctor you are and what a good man you are. So, thank you for hopping on today and, and bearing with me through this. And um, I hope uh, men out there and women listen to you and. Heed your advice, and God bless you. You're doing God's work, and be well. Okay, pal? Thank you. Thanks a lot, and I'll do 35 push-ups in the name of Bernie. Thank you. I, I appreciate that, Dr. Tawari. Thank you. That's uh, Dr. Tawari. What a super guy. Oh, my God. Again, chairman of urology at Mount Sinai during this Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. All right, a lot more to do. Alan Dershowitz, he's going to be here at 840. Danny A. Danny A. coming up at 905. And Colonel Jack Jacobs. Coming up at 925, maybe we'll visit with Abel one more time. Who knows? We will see. Keep it right here. Sitting friends in the morning on a hump day, Tunnel to Towers, Wednesday. Take it away, Dolores. Hi, it's Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith, and this is See It in the Morning. Let me do that again. Hi, it's Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith, and this is See It and Friends in the Morning on 77 WABC. Oh, and by the way, I am way more famous than See It. So I sing you to sleep after the loving with a song I just wrote yesterday. And I hope you can hear what the words and the music have to say. 
so hard to explain everything that I'm feeling face to face. I just seem to go dry, but I love you so much that the sound of your voice can get me high. Thanks for taking me on a one-way trip to the sun. Say this all the time. If you're a guy and you're in a bar, some girls, a couple of ladies, a couple of drinks in, this song comes on and you can't nail her, you got no hope. Engelbert Humperdinck, after the love, and this is as good as it gets. Make this louder, Lewis. This is perfect after talking about my boy Bernard. Engelbert. And I know that my song anything new. Come jump in here. Come on, Justin. Oh, oh, oh but after the loving arms. So let me give you what uh, what the scene was last night on the way to this uh, great dinner, which, again, I want to thank Keith Kantrowitz and He's a great guy. I love Keith Kantrowitz. Paul Carlucci, Mark Simone, Michael Kemper, Anthony Carone, Governor David Patterson, Shannon Chang, and Jennifer Rajkumar. So my friend uh, Mark Oranger drove me. He's friends with Keith and Anthony Carone. Drove me from my house in Bell Harbor to the restaurant Elio's on 84th and 2nd and drove me home. And this song comes on on the way to the city, which I texted Lou right away. And the two of us... Two of us, 50-plus-year-old men, are singing alone in a car, Engelbert Humperdinck, after the loving. <laughs> I mean. Well, number one is. Yeah. This person's not allowed to drive you anymore. Never again? Never. Why? Because of the never. songs I was texting never. you? I, t- I just made a stand. That's it. That's he had on never. 70s on 7 on Sirius XM. And that's a, already a mistake. When oh, I love that you. channel. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> How many songs did I text you last About night? About five. Oh, my God. Not one of them had a drum or a guitar. <laughs> no, nothing. Well, what I, were they? I don't even remember oh now. Oh, my God. The, one of the worst ones. What? Can't We Try by Dan Hill and oh, Yvonne? What, once I saw that artist come up. I love that song. I almost threw my What do you mean? He the sings fire. the other song. You, you love his other song where he goes. Um, no, I don't. What's the, what's the uh, famous one he does? Uh, Dan Hill? Uh, come on. When Lou jumped off the building. No, come on. You right. know the song. I, I love that one. Sometimes oh, when we touch. Oh, yeah. The honesty's too much. Yeah, come on, dude. The one with the Jefferson Starship one was bad enough. You played that this morning. This one will make everybody reach down and wonder. Uh, never mind. Precious and few. Oh, you better play that today. That's climax. In fact, play it right now. We'll go to break. Uh, play it right now. See you, son of a bitch. You want to be a tough guy? You, you, you want to be a macho man? I don't care. Oh, I'll, right, go, right. I'll go. I will go. Valerie Smoldoon yeah. on your ass you in your two bed. seconds. <laughs> I will bring back the good days of 106.7 Light FM. Where's my girl Valerie? I love her. You know, Light FM has not been the same since. I I can't even. Don't laugh since Valerie left. I know. Valerie Smoldone was the best. Big. Oh, huge. And then we'll come back and we'll talk to Frank Siller, Alan Dershowitz, Danny A., a whole bunch of folks. Precious and few folks. Climax. 
Friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. There's an argu- argument uh, circulating about whether the 14th Amendment that prohibits anyone, in, quote, engaged in insurrection or rebellion from holding public office bars Trump from running for president. Now, this hasn't been tested in our system before. Uh, do you think, what is your thought on whether that's a valid argument? I think it is a valid argument. Uh, you know, the 14th Amendment, uh, Section 3, is pretty clear. If you engage in acts of insurrection or rebellion against the government, or you give aid and comfort to those who do, you are disqualified from running. It doesn't require that you be convicted of insurrection. Uh, it just requires that uh, you have engaged in these acts. It's a disqualification from holding office again. Uh, and it fits Donald Trump to a T. Could you imagine these two hateful morons, Joe Biden's former White House speaker, she's now at MSNBC, Jen Psaki. She's not a stupid person, by the way. She's just so hateful, she is stupid. And then Adam Schiff, who is stupid, going on and on about the 14th Amendment. By the way, Trump wasn't even charged with insurrection. 
wasn't even charged with inciting the riot. He wasn't charged with any of that stuff. I mean, they just don't know what to do next to get rid of this guy. I don't know, know how anybody can vote for a Democrat, including Dershowitz, who I love dearly, who's coming up next. This is unbelievable what they've been doing. Four indictments. Now they want to vote the 14th Amendment. They're not even trying to be, I guess, um, subtle anymore. They're just out there saying we need to figure something out to make sure Trump doesn't run because there's a good chance he's going to win. They're not even subtle. But what do I know? I'm the best radio host in New York, but I'm not a lawyer. This guy is one of the all-time greatest lawyers. Mr. Brookman, my dear friend Alan Dershowitz. Alan, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning. I'm not only Mr. Brooklyn, but Mr. Catskill Mountains. I was so thrilled to hear Cousin Brucey talking about the Neville Hotel. I just came back from up in the Catskills because my daughter got married up there. And I spent some of the best years of my life uh, in Ellenville and Greenfield Park and Liberty and Liber- Livingston Manor. So it was so thrilling to hear a reminiscence. Well, you want to hear this? Uh, yeah. guess, guess my I'm going upstate for Rosh Hashanah. My mother... Naomi, uh, who was on right before Donald Trump on Friday, she spends her time between Aventura, like every good Jewish lady, and Kanyanga Lake, which is uh, the other side of White Lake, which is six miles from Monticello. We've been going upstate, Allen, for 42 years. And when I tell you, whether it's the Grossingers, the Concord, the Raleigh, Kutcher's, Swan Lake, Stevensville, every hotel, we've been to all of them, and we still spend our summers up there. How about that? I, I snuck into some of the best hotels in the Catskill Mountains over the years, grossing is, of course, I didn't have the money to go there. But I was also a busboy in the King David Hotel, in the Pioneer Country Club. Those were great old days. And then you had a minute before that, you had Howard Cosell. I used to love being on Howard's show. You know what Howard and I talked about? We never talked about sports. We always talked about the law because he was a really good lawyer. Yep. Let's get to the 14th Amendment. It's the most absurd argument I've ever heard in 60 years of practicing and teaching law. At bottom, what they want to do is amend the Constitution and abolish the impeachment and the 25th Amendment, because those are so hard to use. And the framers deliberately made it hard to use. You need to be guilty of treason, bribery, other high crimes and misdemeanors. So what they want to do is circumvent the difficulty of getting two-thirds of the Senate and instead go to this what's called self-enforcing rule. That is, if Adam Schiff thinks somebody engaged in insurrection, doesn't have to prove it, doesn't even have to charge it. As long as he says it, that's enough to deny you and me the right to vote. Now, you're going to vote for Trump. I'm going to vote against him. We have an equal right to vote in these elections. You, 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 Alan, the Alan, Alan, I love you, I, I love you to pieces. You're yeah. not going to vote against him because you're not going to vote for Biden. You cannot no. vote for Biden. How are you going to vote against him? <laughs> well, first of all, I can vote for Biden. And oh, God. He's no, healthy you enough to run. Healthy I'm going to vote for Biden. I've known Joe Biden since 1980 when we yeah. worked together on Ted Kennedy. He's the campaign. most corrupt president I'm in the history of this country. Liberal, I'm a liberal Democrat. I support a woman's But, right but you're not corrupt. Marriage, climate control, reasonable gun control, oh separation of church and state, Jesus. and liberal justice on the yeah. Supreme Court. So I'm going to vote that way, but I'm going to continue to defend Donald Trump and anybody else who is accused, who is who is 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 violating the Constitution against him, that's what I am. I'm a civil libertarian, liberal libertarian who votes the way I vote. But that has nothing to do with how I defend people and defends people's rights. And the Fourteenth Amendment is the most undemocratic McCarthyite tactics since the 1950s. Getting a group of secretaries of state, some of whom are not even elected, 
and they decide who we should vote for? Nonsense. That's not the American way. If you don't like Donald Trump, if you don't like Joe Biden, vote against him. But I wouldn't disqualify Joe Biden either. I would. I would. I would. I, I know. I know. We I mean, the guy. The guy's taking millions of dollars from foreign governments, and and as bad as the Fourteenth Amendment issue is, which you're talking about right now, all those yeah. indictments, foreign indictments, brought forth by Joe Biden because him I, and his party are scared to death. Those are equally as embarrassing. I agree with you. I agree with you, particularly the New York one. I think that the District Attorney of New York has to be looked into. I've never seen a worse indictment. Again, in my sixty years of practice. Then Alvin Bragg's fake indictment, even the Get Trump posse. You know, I wrote a book called Get Trump because my theory and yours is that this is all an effort to prevent us from voting for him or against him. It's an attempt to take the vote away from us and to give it to bureaucrats, administrators, uh, a congressman who's running for the Senate, Adam Schiff, and to turn the entire process into the weaponization of the criminal justice system, the 14th Amendment, and the rest of the Constitution. So I'm going to continue to fight for the Constitution. We can agree to vote for who we want to agree to. Look, I'll tell you one thing. If Bernie Sanders runs for the Democrats, I do not vote Democrat. I could not abide voting for that bigot, that anti-Israel man who supported an anti-Semite in England uh, running for the prime ministership. I couldn't do that. I couldn't pull the lever. But I can pull the lever for for Joe Biden when we disagree. And we can continue to disagree. That's America. But don't take my vote away. And don't take your vote away. And that's what Adam Schiff wants to do. He wants to take our votes away from us and give it to a bunch of elitists who will make a decision whether they think he engaged in insurrection or rebellion. You know, it's interesting, uh, Alan, uh, besides just listening to you talk, because you happen to be brilliant. And and, just, and I love I love having so you, you on the show. So are you. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. You, you're brilliant. But, uh, you, you know, you bring up Israel all the time because... You are sincere about it. I remember doing that many, many years ago. The first rally I ever went to was with Dove Hikind outside the New York Times building, and you were there supporting Israel. And and right. while you say that you would never vote for Bernie Sanders because right. he's an anti-Semite, which he is, he's part of the whole Palestine group, uh, here no one, I know you'll admit this, there's no president in the history of this country who has done more for the state of Israel than Donald Trump. How does that not that. get your vote? I agree. Agree with that 100 percent. And if the Republicans would become like the British Conservative Party and give up all this mishigas about denying a woman the right to choose, about gay marriage, about transgenders, about climate, and get back to doing what the British Conservative Party do, tough on economics, tough on foreign policy, conservative, I vote for that. But I can't vote for a party that would deny a 16-year-old rape victim the right to have an abortion. I just can't do that. Well, wait, wait, in all fairness, but wait, are doing. wait, in all fairness to Donald Trump, he is not for that. He says those uh, exceptions. He's for the ex- and look, I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-gay. If you, marriage. if you were the Republican Party, I could vote Republican. But you're not the Republican <laughs> Party. It's evangelical Christians who yeah. today are the Republican Party, and I can't vote for them. I'm sorry. I support their views on Israel. I support their views on free speech. There are a lot of things that I support in the Republican platform and agenda. The Republicans are better on free speech. The Republicans are better on tolerating tolerating other points of view. But there are other issues. Look, I have an open mind. By the time, you know, next November rolls around, who knows? Who knows who will actually be the candidates? You know, that'll be up to God uh, with both of them around 80. I turned 85 last week, and I still have plenty of energy, but... These guys, I mean, and Trump has plenty of energy, too. Biden does not. But, uh, you know, you, you factor all these things in. The most important thing is that we join together and agree not to destroy the Constitution, the 14th Amendment, First Amendment, 
in the name of get Trump. That's what this is all about. Get Trump. And if you want to read my book, I outline all of the indictments against them, and I show how none of them, none of them withstand analysis, and the 14th Amendment doesn't withstand analysis. So we have to work together against that, and then we can do what Americans do, go back home and vote differently. You know, you're not giving yourself enough credit, Alan Dershowitz. Not only do you outline in the book all the indictments, but to really blow your horn, you deserve it. You predicted all of these before they even happened. Yeah, I think it was Mark Mark Levin who called me the Nostradamus of lawyers. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy because I make good predictions because I don't allow my politics to influence my predictions. You go on MSNBC or you go on CNN, they're not making predictions. They're making self-fulfilling statements. They're, they're, they're predicting things they want to happen, hoping that they'll influence their viewers to vote that way or to advocate that way. That's not what I do. I look at it scientifically. I make a prediction whether the prediction is helpful to my views or unhelpful to my views. My job is to inform, not to advocate. We'll say this. When you look at Georgia, and this is where uh, your legal mind is going to be great, you look at Georgia, and, of course, uh, they're going to have a hard time proving that he didn't think Trump he won, because I know he thought he won. I know that for a of fact. Course, of but, course he did. Right, but to challenge him on, on him challenging the election, and as a Democrat, you know this, Stacey Abrams in Georgia – Hillary Clinton in 2016, Gore, they did Gore the same versus, thing. Uh, you know, Bush versus Gore. I was part of the team. I defended, I represented the voters of Palm Beach County who were who were denied their vote by the butterfly ballot. We challenged, we called state representatives, we called for selective recounts. We did so many of the same things that the Trump people did. The difference is at the end, Al Gore got up and said, although I think the Supreme Court is wrong and I think I won the election, I'm conceding and I'm going to come to the... Um, inauguration. Uh, he was more of a mensch about it than, than Donald Trump was. But it's not a crime not to be a mensch. It is something you might want to vote against somebody for, but it's not a crime. What's going on in Israel right now? I know that, uh, you know, they had all that judicial reform uh, problem. Uh, Bibi Netanyahu also has his own legal issues. His wife yeah. has some legal issues, too. My, my good buddy Dove Hyken was just in Jerusalem a couple of weeks ago. What is going on there right now? Well, I was there also, and I met, of course, with BB. I met with President Herzog. I met with the people on the other side. It's a great democracy in action. There's a great debate going on. And the difference is there's no violence. They come out in the street and they protest. Um, you know, I have mixed views. I'm in favor of some of the judicial reform, but not others' judicial reform. But the problem is you get people like today's New York Times has an op-ed by Tom Friedman saying that Israel is not a normal country, and therefore what? Saudi Arabia, which is a normal country, shouldn't make peace with it, or the Palestinians, which is a normal democracy. They haven't had an election in how many years? Uh, he, is such, he, he, he applies such a double standard to Israel, and the New York Times does, and that really weakens Israel more than any of their external enemies. And so it's important to be ready to fight against the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, you know, the CNN, Amanpour, she goes on television and says that a woman and her children who were murdered, murdered in cold blood by a terrorist, were killed in a shootout <laughs> as if seven-year-old kids were shooting back at Palestinians. Oh, and there's a suit that's being prepared uh, about that. So, you know, be careful what you read in the newspapers about Israel because that doesn't tell you the whole truth. It's a complex issue. It's a democracy in action. Eventually, the Israelis will decide that issue. They don't need advice or help from the United States. They don't need interference from Joe Biden. They don't need anything other than their own democracy thriving. Sometimes 
They elect people I like. Sometimes they elect people I don't like. That's true in America, too. Democracy doesn't guarantee you an outcome. It's a process, and that's the process we have to preserve, and that's the process that Adam Schiff is trying to take away from us. Alan, on the way out, uh, you say don't believe everything you read about Israel in the papers. What yeah. about everything I read about Harvard? This just <laughs> came out the New York Post online. I love when you giggle there, Alan. It says... Uh, Harvard is named the worst school for free speech, scoring zero out of a possible 100. Well, that's because I, that's because I left. Back that's in the right. day when Nasser Arafat died, Palestinians wanted to put up a Palestinian flag, and Harvard said no. And I represented the Palestinians to be allowed to put up the Palestinian flag. Then I went to the memorial, and I said, Yasser Arafat's death was untimely. If he had only died four years earlier, we'd have peace in the Middle East. So, you know, Harvard had a lot of good free speech, and I now belong to an organization. Imagine you need an organization at Harvard. Steven Pinker and some other great civil libertarians have started an organization. I'm in it for free speech at Harvard and academic freedom at Harvard. Who would ever believe you'd need such an organization? But we need it, and we have to continue to fight. It's true at Harvard. It's true at Yale. It's true at Columbia. It's true at almost every place but the University of Chicago, which has a long tradition. Of That's a great school. So 60 seconds to go. You, you've talked about uh, being sympathetic towards Trump, not personally, but in these legal cases. That doesn't mean you're going to vote for him. But uh, what about Rudy Giuliani? You know, uh, it seems I'm like if you if you, you got to feel the same way, right? I feel the same way about the lawyers who gave legal advice. The legal advice may have turned out to be wrong. Look, I gave legal advice in Bush versus Gore, and the courts turned me down. Am I guilty of something? I gave my best legal advice. I still think to this day I was right. I wrote a whole book about it called Supreme Injustice. You don't prosecute somebody for giving legal advice. And I think it's a big mistake. You know, Shakespeare had his villain say, first, let's kill the lawyers. And, you know, Mao Zedong and Pol Pot and Castro, the first thing they did is they killed the lawyers. And that's what some Democrats are trying to do now. The 65 Project going after every lawyer who ever defended Trump. And I said I would defend any lawyer who ever, ever defended Trump and who's the subject of uh, a prosecution or disbarment by the Project 65. So what do you think Project 65 did? It went after me. It filed the bar charge against me, and thereby making it very hard for me to defend other people. It's McCarthyism at its worst, and left-wing McCarthyism is even more dangerous than the right-wing McCarthyism I grew up with. Agreed. And uh, your good friend and my good friend, Arthur Idala, representing Rudy Giuliani these days. Alan Dershowitz, I tell you this every time. I love you. You're brilliant. You're great. Thank you for coming on. I mean it. Thank you. I I love being on your show. I love being reminded of Brooklyn and the Catskill Mountains. So let's keep it up. Absolutely. God bless you. Take care. The great Alan Dershowitz. My man, wrapping up hour number three. And I got to get going because Danny A is out there with Chad Lopez. And Danny's giving me the let's go signal because... He's in town from California. He's one of the great young producers, directors, actors, inside man. That's Danny A. He's going to stop in and tell us about, uh, well, inside man, the engineer, and a new project. So we've got Danny A. and Colonel Jack Jacobs, a very exciting fourth and final hour of your favorite talk show in the country. That's me, sitting friends in the morning, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say? Be just a friend. Boy, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy. Boy. The most talented young guy in Hollywood today, Danny A. I got to tell you, uh, you're going to be very, very happy when you see yeah. the movie. I, 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 I was telling your friend... It took a lot to uh, explain to you a little bit of what the, the process is. It's not radio yes. and hitting your marks and things like that. But once you're actually on um, and, and you and you start doing your thing, you, you, you do a very, very, Thank very you. good job. And it's not a little role. It's actually a pretty big role. this again who sings it 10 years after by who it's 10 years after oh. the band okay i'd love to change the world so when you saw inside man you and your uh, significant other mj you said to each other before even talking to me you said mj said you and sid are going to play that song on monday morning which yeah. we did a couple of weeks ago you knew right away I didn't you it. Yeah. You did, right? Yeah, because it's awesome, too. It's, you love the movie. It was, per- it was great. You know who loved the movie? Love, love, love the movie? Margot Katsimatidis. John liked it. Margot loved it. The movie is Inside Man, which was uh, directed, produced, and starred here by Danny A. He plays Roy DeMeo, but he's had a, a tremendous career. For a guy his age, he's already distinguished himself as one of the great talents in Hollywood today. He can make a movie. He can star in a movie. He's got incredible instincts. He's got two movies out now at once, and they're both doing very well. One is the movie I was in, Inside Man. The other is a great movie titled The Engineer. And he, uh, he's working on some new projects already. He's got a big charity event he'll be at tomorrow night. So he's in New York for the day. Here he is, the mega star, all kidding aside, <laughs> superstar Danny A. Good morning, Danny. How are you? I wouldn't say mega star. But <laughs> You're up there. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, Sid. Two or two or false? Does Al Pacino not call your cell phone? Uh, Sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) but that doesn't make me a star. What star? What are you? Uh, Al Pacino is the best in the world. You remind Uh, me a lot of. uh, I know everybody says that. Everybody tells me, especially when you came outside and inside, man, as Roy DeMeo, the scene where the kid pulled up in front of the brownstone and you were all paranoid. You yeah. start shooting at the kid? Yeah. That was Al Pacino. I uh, mean, to the T. Uh, thank you. It's, it's the best compliment I can possibly get. I love Al. He's my favorite actor. Always been. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. So so tell me, the movie came out on a Friday. We all went to the theater to see it. And by Monday, it had gone from, like, number 225 to number four. And, again, my boss's wife, Margot, loved the movie. True story about the Gemini Lounge in Brooklyn. It uh, it really enjoyed unprecedented success. An independent film doing that well, that quickly, is it still breaking in big numbers? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's. I mean, I'm not surprised because I really thought we made something special. Uh, but it is surprising because when you see it, it's up there with all the studio movies, and it's in you know, 
It's a small movie, I mean, compared to the big studio movies. You mean budget-wise? Budget-wise, you know, small meaning it's also, you know, you have the, 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 the standards that the big studio does theatrical releases. You know, it's got a small theatrical release, but the numbers on iTunes and the numbers on Amazon have just been amazing, and we're just so excited to just see it continue to do well. And the most important thing is, for as long as it, you know, it's been out, it's almost a month, um, then the next phase is what's exciting as well as when it goes to the streaming. And, you know, we don't know where it's going to end up with Netflix or Amazon, you know, but, but that's when everyone gets to see it and for free and you don't have to actually find it on VOD. And it, it's got a long run and it's exciting and people really like it. And you, my friend. Yeah. You did a great. I told well, you last time I was here. You played that. I told you. You did. But you I, but did. I thought you were just lying to me. So I had, to, I had to hear from people who were not biased and, um, I was, Shocked. I'm not going to lie to you. How many people said, listen, your face, the way you looked, you were perfect. And it uh, meant a lot to me. But me aside, you was Roy DeMeo, Emile Hirsch is Bobby, Lucy Hale, Ashley Green, I mean, Bo Deedle, I mean Robert Davi, and all Everybody, the kids. Yeah, you had Costa tremendous Fons- actors. Yeah, Costafonsky and Greg Finley and Jeremy Luke. And yeah. Everybody, and Jay Cannavale. Everyone stepped up and did a great job. And that's that's the thing about movies is that you have to kind of like create like a family environment. Everyone enjoys being around each other. There's no there's no tension. And, and everyone just gives it all because it was really done with a lot of love and a lot of passion. I really wanted to make this movie and we fought. So hard to try to get it done, and we, and we, when we did, and we shot it. It's and, hard because people don't know this. Brother, did you find Jay Cannavale, Bobby's son? Did you find him? So I didn't. I don't know if I found him. I went to see a Broadway show once. He was sixteen or seventeen, and I was like, "Who in the world is this kid? He's unbelievable." Yeah. Come to find out, he's Bobby's kid, and I've known him because because I I, I did vinyl with with Scorsese directed the, the pilot, and I was in it. And with Bobby, and he was on set. So I knew him. I know Jake for a while, you know, being around his dad. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if I found him, but I think it's one of his main first movies, oh, you know, great. first role. And he he's, was, he's great. Oh, Chris he's Rosenberg. Great. I was actually with him last week, and we talked uh, quite a bit about you. He's a, he's an, he's a great kid. He's a great, great, great kid. kid. Um, and you were talking about uh, the rest of the actors uh, on the set. And, of course, people here in New York know about the story. They know the bar. I mean... Danny, if I tell you a thousand people since that movie came out said, I used to live right by Flatlands Avenue. I used to live in Canarsie. I used to live, I used to walk by the bar every day. I used to see Dracula sitting in a baby pool in the afternoon when kids would walk by. I mean, the man used to invite me in and give me candy on Halloween. Everybody knows that bar. Everybody. I got to tell you, and I'm going to go on the record on this. When they changed the name to Inside Man. Why did they change the name? You know what? I don't know. We sold the movie. I want to make this clear because people ask me, why did you? I didn't change the name. I sold the movie to a big distribution company. Very big. Yeah. And when I signed the contract and Kyle Stefanski, our lead producer, signed the contract, in the contract, it says if they want to do something and change the name and marketing, we don't really have a say. We have a consulting say. Yeah. And then they hit me with it one day, like, we're going to change the name. I go, why? Why would you do that? Gemini Lounge is perfect. When someone Googles Gemini Lounge, this whole story comes yeah. up. It makes sense. Well, you know, we think that Inside Man. And I said, there was a famous movie called Inside Man. Washington was yeah, an in Inside 2000, Man. Yeah, in 2005. Yeah. See, I tell a different story. I make it more exciting. I'm like, listen, Anthony Sesta, he's still in prison. He said, if you don't change the name, when I get out, I'm going to kill all of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
So he scared us and we changed the name. Yeah. I mean, the truth is that's what happened. Uh, but look, it's doing great and, and the movie is successful and thank God. Uh, I just l- fell in love with the name Gemini Lounge and, but it is what it is. Um, but I'm so happy to see you. I, you too. I, I, yeah, I see your Instagram. Your Instagram in the morning is just unbelievable. Uh, with that side shot, yeah. with the open shirt. And I got the flag here behind it, me. Because yeah. you're a great American. You're a, a, a tremendous American, actually. You yeah. love this country. You love Israel, too, obviously. Yes, and your wife and, and your uh, baby. Beautiful baby, by the way. Thank you. Uh, but you're, you're a patriotic, tough guy. Which is why, now, I haven't seen The Engineer yet. And I wasn't on that movie set. But everybody tells me as good as Inside Man is, which, of course, is a true story about a mob born Brooklyn, the engineer is scary good also. Tell folks about that movie, how they get yeah, it. Yeah, so thank you. Yeah, No, the engineer is doing phenomenal as well, which is amazing to hear. Uh, so the engineer is a true story about the biggest manhunt in Israel. Um, there was a terrorist by the name of Ichi Ayash, uh, 1995. And basically, he built all the bombs that the suicide bombers used um, to uh, commit, you know, all these... Uh, Is that right? Yeah, on the buses. So he basically kind of started the whole suicide bombing thing in Israel, and um, and the biggest manhunt started. And, and the movie's basically that, uh, looking for this guy, and, and, and it's the Mossad, it's the Shabak, and uh, mercenaries are just looking for this one guy. Um, and it, it really came out great. And Lionsgate bought it and, and put it out. It's, it's really exciting. Uh, Heshi Ogenbaum sends his best. That sounds like an awesome, awesome movie. So what happens now, Danny? You know, the um, the beauty for us is you were lucky because you really couldn't talk about Inside Man and neither could Emily, uh, Emily, Emil or Lucy. But my radio show, I could do whatever I want. So right. well, I promoted the hell well, out of the I, movie. <laughs> well, I, I, am, I am a director, so I'm, 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 also the, I'm also the producer who owns the piece of the movie. So I was allowed to as a director. I can't you were really allowed. talk about it as an actor. Right. But do you uh, find that other people did get angry with you? Any other actors that said, hey, Danny, do me a favor? Nobody did that, right? No, no, no. no. The yeah. thing is, the thing is, so as a director, and if, 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 if the movie was made as a director and it was someone that has a financial gain in it and is not getting paid by a studio to be an actor in it, then it's a different story. Right? Okay, because so. somebody said to me this week, they said, um, Sid, it's never going to be solved. They really believe that this thing will never, ever, ever get done and that the future of movies will be what you're so good at, which is basically indie films. That's the future. Now, listen, I don't know if that person's right or not, but Fran Drescher is so far apart from the other side that they can see this lasting years. But for a guy like you, you make your own movies anyway. Yeah, but no, no, look, I'm an actor as well, and and I, I stand with SAG, and I think it's the right thing to do. Look, the, the, what's happening is you have all these actors. This is their livelihood, and, and, and residuals was something that they always looked forward to. And you, when you work, you realize maybe you don't get as much on the day of your job, but you do get a benefit that comes in, and that's a big part of being an actor and sure. being a part of, this, you know, of the union. Um, I hope it gets resolved. I, when, I want everybody to go back to work. Um, as an actor, I can't do anything anyway. You know, I can't. Well, I you can't, can't work with somebody else. But if you write and direct your own film no, right I now. No, I can't. I, you cannot hire any SAG actors, and I would not hire any SAG actors to make a movie. Uh, no one can work until the, it's, it's resolved. You know, you can try to get away with if you're independently financed. Right. And you're not do, dealing with a studio. Right. You could get a, a, what's called a waiver. and uh, Which is also a very cheap, like a micro-budget thing, which is yeah. very cheap. You can't get any decent actors for that, let's well, be honest. I mean, it's got to be independently financed. It cannot have, you know, and when right. you do sell, it has to, you know, it has to uh, 
make sure that it's the deal that they end up with uh, with the big studios. Well, it's a bad timing because here you've got Inside Man, which is not even a good – it's an amazing movie. Thank you. Engineer, which, again, I haven't seen, to be honest, but I hear amazing things about. And I know you guys had already in mind another true story involving the mob and New York police – and that's out there, but right now you can't do anything about it, we, can you? No, we can't. So basically, this has been waiting, and we're going to try to get the waiver uh, uh, because we're all independently financed and everything. It's called on the take. It's the, it's a true. It's based on true events of of uh, of two of the most corrupt cops in the history of the NYPD. Um, and and I'm excited to get started. I'm excited because. I want to bring you back. I mean, <laughs> you did such a great job at Inside Man. I, I need you back there with me. I can't wait. I got to get the team back. I can't wait. I got to get Bo in there. You know, Bo, who did such a phenomenal job. He was and, great. He was man, great. People talk to him about his performance all the time. Uh, I got to get everybody back. I really want to make this. Um, everyone's excited. The script is great. Uh, we just got to figure out how to do it. Now, what about the, the filming? There was one person, I swear to you, Danny, one person said to me, Clearly, you shot that movie outside of Brooklyn because if you go back to the streets in that era, they didn't look exactly like how the movie depicted it. He said, be honest, were you in L.A. or someplace else? So if you film this next movie about these New York cops, would you once again still film it in your hometown of L.A. or do more stuff here in New York? So the reason we shot it on the Paramount lot is we were going to come to Brooklyn. It was COVID. and Oh, we- Yes. So we, 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 we all, we actually, we actually rented the church, the Gemini Lounge. We, we, we put a deposit. We were going to shoot outside, not inside, because it's obviously a church now, but we were going to do the whole thing. And, and, uh, then, you know, during COVID, we realized we couldn't fly everybody out there. We couldn't close the streets the way we wanted to. Uh, so I had to make a decision and the decision was to just try to shoot it. Now, look. You know, because you grew up in Brooklyn or in New York and a bunch of people. But when you're from, you know, middle America you or somewhere, know. you right. don't know. I it, didn't know either. I'm from it, Brooklyn. I, somebody it, told me. I didn't know. I mean, it I looks it like New right. York. It looks like yes. New York. But, you know, if you're if you're someone who actually knows what it looks like because you physically were there and you right. saw it, then to you it looks a little different. Right. Um, because, you know, the sign was white. And, you know, it's just, it's just. Oh, come on. It looks so authentic. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, look, the most important thing is that. People enjoy the story. You know, yeah. some people go, some people tell me, you know, well, there wasn't an undercover cop. How do you know there wasn't an undercover cop? <laughs> what, what are you, in the FBI? Right. Well, how do you know? Right. Right. Well, no, because, you know, when Roy DeMeo died, all the cases just went away. Right. They, no one got hurt. You know, you want to tell me they never bugged? They bugged everything else. They never bugged the Gemini Lounge? Of course you know, they so did. People can say what they want. Right. The reality is it's based on true events. It's not based on a r- true story. We changed some of the names of the characters, obviously. But the story stands as what the public domain told us, and this is really what happened. Uh, listen, and- I got a lot of friends who were involved and were there. I mean involved. Real guys, Danny. Oh, and okay. they told me that thing was almost perfect. Really? I swear to God. I mean, yeah, you had to change a couple of test names, stuff like that. Yeah. But and, and maybe the lot wasn't pr- it was perfect. Thank I mean, you, you did you did an unbelievable job. But all your movies are great. I got to wrap this up in sixty seconds. But 
all your movies are great. I mean, you're, you're a tremendous talent. Thank you very talent. much. I appreciate it. I wanted, I wanted to come out here and I wanted to tell you that I can't wait to have you back on oh, set. And we're going to make this once the sack strike is over. We can get a waiver. And uh, I want to give a shout out to Kyle Stefanski and, and Heshi on this charity event we're doing now, tomorrow. Now, what is this? What is this? So, Rhonda's Kiss. Rhonda was Kyle Stefanski, our producer, who played Freddie in the, in the movie. Who did a great man. job. Who did a great job. Yep. His mom passed away, unfortunately, from... Uh, from uh, pancreatic cancer, and wow. he started this this foundation. It's called Rhonda's Kiss. My brother passed away from cancer four years ago. Oh it's God, really dear to our heart, and we're doing a charity event tomorrow at Tau um, Lounge at 6 o'clock. Anyone can come and buy a ticket and donate at rondaskiss.com. Uh, and we're really excited. A lot of great people are in town, and I know that you have something. You can't make it. I think yeah. Bo is going to stop by. Yeah. And uh, I was going to host it. I was going to yeah, host know, it until, until John's party. I had no idea your brother passed away. I'm yeah, sorry, no, Danny. Thank you. Thank I'm you. sorry. Yeah, it's 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 really dear to heart. Me and Kyle and Heshi. We and you know where you know the money's going to commodities. Cancer treatment. Oh, and, good. Uh, it's just good. exciting to be in town. You know, it's Fashion Week. Yeah. You know, Stevie Gummy's birthday. Hey, we got a lot of things. Look going at on. you. You're, you're handsome. You got a gorgeous wife, a beautiful new baby. You're a star, a Hollywood star. Thank you thank you thank got the you. roll by the balls. Look oh, at you. yeah. Okay. Look at you. You're tan. You got facial <laughs> by hair. By how's the tan? It's pretty good. You know they call me Tanny A, by the way. <laughs> Sid, it was great to see you. Your beautiful daughter. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thank, uh, thank you. you for having me on. I'll you see you this week. All right. I love you. I Danny love A, you, everybody. There he is. And if you ever see any movie, Google Danny A's name. Any movie he's been involved in, Mob Town, The Irishman, The Engineer, Inside Man, whatever Danny A has done, I'll give you my promise. It's great. We will talk to Colonel Jack Jacobs, real American hero like Danny, except he served in Vietnam. He coming up next right here on Sid and Friends in the morning. In the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. He'd flown more than 2,000 combat missions. And he received a silver star, a bronze star, two distinguished flying crosses, and 43 air medals. Taylor received a direct order. Return to base. His response was just as direct. I'm getting my men out. He refused to give up. Refused to leave a fellow American behind. Refused to put his own life above the lives of others in need.
YouTube, Bullet the Blue Sky. It's a great song, Lou Rubino. You heard there from uh, the president, Joe Biden, who's just, every sentence is an issue with that guy. He's just, he's just a complete mess. Even this, giving Larry Taylor the Medal of Honor, and deservedly so, that guy is decorated like my next guest, Jack Jacobs. But he can't even get through that. He's just it's tough. But again, my next guest is uh, decorated uh, to the hilt, and he should be. He's an American hero, been coming on uh, this station for a long time, back to the days with Imus and many years with me, too. And he's a super guy, Colonel Jack Jacobs. Uh, Mr. Jacobs, good morning. How are you? Good morning, sir. I'm doing well. Thanks. Nice to talk to you. Did you know Larry Taylor? I know there's a lot of folks who served in Vietnam, but did you know him? No, I uh, never met him, and unfortunately didn't get a chance to go to the ceremony either. was uh, tied up. They usually invite uh, Medal of Honor recipients to go, and they keep a row or two uh, separate for the uh, recipients who want to go. Uh, want to go. And, and there's a number of them who, that lives around the uh, D.C. area who typically attend these ceremonies, but I couldn't, I couldn't be there. So. How many living Medal of Honor recipients, do you know this? Maybe you don't know this, but... How many living are there? Well, well, we got 66 now, but it's interesting to note that when I was decorated, there were almost 400 living wow. recipients. Wow. Uh, it tells you what happened. And we had, there was still a living recipient from the Boxer Rebellion when I was decorated. <laughs> like, seriously. Wow. A guy, a, a guy named Bill Seach, who had conducted a bayonet charge against the Citadel at Beijing in 1900 during the Boxer Rebellion. He was still alive. And, of course, uh, all those guys, all the war, World War II guys yeah. are, are, are all gone now. They're all gone. And um, what year did you get your Medal of Honor? What year was that? Uh, my action was in 1968, and the uh, ceremony was in 69, about 18 months after the action. The greatest year in the history of New York. Jets, Mets, Knicks, I mean the Rangers, excuse me, the Knicks. The uh, Woodstock man walked on the moon. What a great year. Uh, and, and now of the 66 that are still alive, I guess this may be a stupid assumption. But I'm going to assume most are Vietnam vets, yes? Yeah, the majority of uh, living recipients now are Vietnam veterans. There's an increasing number, obviously, from the war on terror as time goes on. But there's, there's always a look back to see who uh, who would have been missed and uh to reevaluate the recommendations from years past, there've been a lot of there've been a lot of ceremonies since I was decorated uh, uh, of people who some of whom have passed away or were killed in action uh, who should have received the medal but didn't for a wide variety of reasons. You know, you mentioned the war on terror, Jack and uh, Colonel Jack Jacobs, and this is why I brought you on because uh, last week it was one year since that really dreadful exit in Afghanistan. And I don't know if you blame Biden or not. I do. I'm, I'm very I – mean, I hate Biden. i got to be honest. I hate him. I hate this administration. I think they're cowards. I think they're irresponsible. And I think they've done a really lousy job with our military. And uh, they are the sole reason why 13 brave American souls are dead. And to see Joe Biden check his watch – like the movie Clute with Jane Fonda when he was at the uh, you know the memorial service for these people, really made me nauseous. But let me ask you what you think, the uh, the exit from Afghanistan a year later. What are your thoughts on all that? Well, that was, a, that was an absolutely awful uh, mess. And, and, uh, and I've said this before, and 
if you evaluate the whole thing from the standpoint of somebody who, uh, from a combat person, you got to realize a number of things. First of all, that operations plan had been in existence since 2008. And every year, the combatant commander has to submit the op- all of their operations plans to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, certifying that it, it, it will work, that the troop list is the right troop list, that the plan is supported properly, and so on. And if there are any changes to the previous year's plan, they submit that too. So that plan had been in existence for a long, long time. Um, all the general officers in the, all the services had been in and out of Afghanistan for a decade. They knew exactly how many people it took to secure the embassy, the route from the embassy to the airfield, uh, to secure the airfield. It's interesting to note that the, we gave up Bagram Air Base, which was a much better place from which to evacuate. We had already given it up, thereby putting all of our forces at risk. The first thing that happened when the, when the ground component commander got there for the evacuation, the first thing he had to do was commit the reserve. Uh, that indicates to everybody that the troop list was insufficient in the wrong troop list. Uh, there's, the, the rest of it, the, the outcome was obvious, obviously going to happen. So it was poorly planned and very poorly executed. And uh, there should be a great lesson here about what to do if, as, and when we have to do something like that again. I hope all the general officers and all administrations now and in the future understand what happened in Afghanistan and don't let it happen again. Well said. I mean, I think we all wanted our folks out of there. It had been long enough, Iraq and Afghanistan, but not the way they did it. My good buddy Tom Sloan, who's a hero, Secret Service guy, he says the New York Stock Exchange hosts a special dinner every year to celebrate these living heroes. The colonel is amazing. I once had a private dinner with him, but I doubt he'd remember it. Great show today. Send my regards. So uh, before we get back to the Afghanistan discussion, are you still going to the New York Stock Exchange dinner every year? Is that still going on? No, it's not still going on, unfortunately. Uh, we we used to get together every other year when I was first decorated, all recipients. Now we get together every year. It's in a different city each each year. It's in New Orleans Got it. this this year we don't we don't yeah not bad but we don't <laughs> yeah. get together we're not getting together and we don't get together in New York very right. often anymore okay so we are now just five days away as you know uh, Colonel Jack Jacobs uh, from the 22 year commemoration I hate to use the word anniversary for horrible events so I use commemoration of 9/11 and uh, here I am on 49th and third not all that far from Ground Zero right uh, in the heart of New York City. And I was talking uh, this week alone to Rudy Giuliani and a bunch of folks. And uh, certain days it feels like 100 years ago and certain days it feels like yesterday. But there seems to be a large consensus that it ain't over, that after this Afghanistan exit, that ISIS and, and uh, you know, the Taliban and, and al-Qaeda and all these groups are actually resurfacing again and gaining strength again. Peter King went to Washington, D.C. about a month and a half ago and said, hey, that should be one of our number one concerns. You agree with that, or you think it's in the past? No, things like that are never in the past. Uh, who is it, George Santayana, who wrote Those Who Ignore History Are Doomed to Repeat It? Uh, we have to be forever vigilant, and just because we think it's over doesn't mean that it's over. Uh, we need to redouble our efforts to keep our intelligence up to speed, and we pay attention to not only threats that exist now, but potential threats. 
we're better at it now than we used to be, but we're never going to be perfect. We have to make sure that we keep our keep our ear to the ground and our eyes forward so that we don't make the same mistakes again. It was a big intelligence failure, and it shouldn't happen again. Are you surprised? I asked this of Gordon Chang yesterday, and, and he said yes, and, and I'm also surprised. Are you surprised, Colonel Jack, that Ukraine-Russia is into its 19th month? Uh, no. Really? Uh, yeah, a lot of people thought that they were going to roll over the Ukrainians, but uh, for a wide variety of reasons, they could not. Uh, one of the things to keep in mind is that the Russians, who probably have learned a great deal from their failures at the beginning of the war, uh, were are, are terrible at prosecuting uh, uh, prosecuting conflicts like this. They have only top-down management. If you get an order, you're allowed to follow the order but not deviate from it. Uh, they have no NCO Corps, non-commissioned officer corps worthy of the name. Their officers below the grade of about colonel are not very good at what they do. Uh, the result is that they follow orders to the letter, which means that they can't improvise on the battlefield. And those of us who've been in combat can tell you that the first thing that falls apart, the first thing that, that doesn't work when you get into combat is the plan. We teach our troops to do exactly the opposite. Here's the order. Go up there and turn right. But if they try to turn right and they can't do it, they know that they got to turn left or do something else. They have to improvise in the battlefield. Russian troops are not allowed to do any of that stuff, wow. which is one reason why they've lost so many general officers. Now, they've learned something in all this, and they're a little bit better at it than they used to be. They're at an advantage now because they're in the defense and in defense. And you have to have a three to one ratio if you want to attack a minimum a three to one ratio if you're going to attack people who are defending and particularly defending in depth as the Russians are with big minefields and so on. The Ukrainians are starting to make some progress because they found some weaknesses in the line down in the southeast. But it's going to be a long slog. And those people who spent a lot of time studying these kinds of things knew from the very beginning that it was not going to be easy for the Russians, especially because of all the tactical mistakes that they made trying to take Kiev and so on. So, no, it's not a surprise to professional soldiers that the Russians didn't do well, but they, they may be crazy, but they're not stupid, and they probably learned from their mistakes. So interesting with the uh, football season starting. I'm a big giant fan, Colonel Jack, the Cowboys on Sunday, Jets and Bills on Monday. That basically you said to me, the Russian Army can't audible. They can't do what they can't. They... That's, a, that's a great analogy. <laughs> they can't. They can't audible. Wow. Matter of fact, even if they could, they're not allowed. They're not allowed. So uh, there's a lot of folks that believe, too, that this Russia-Ukraine war is just the opening act. And I hate saying that because so many people have died. I don't want to minimize what's happened here. But it's just the opening act for China versus. Could be us. Could be anybody. Your thoughts. Well, China's got some problems at the moment. And although they're continuing to expand in the eastern Mediterranean, Western Mediterranean, uh, they've got uh, economic difficulties. Uh, Xi's power, uh, he's got a firm grip on power, but we don't know how long that's going to last, especially if their economic problems continue. Uh, The Chinese are inextricably intertwined with the North Koreans who are giving their technology away to the Russians uh, in exchange for a wide variety of things that the Russians, uh, that, that, that the North Koreans need. So uh, these are uh, these are problem times across the board for uh, for American interests and allied interests 
And we have to do a much better job of solidifying our support among allies and erstwhile allies. Sid. So without telling me who you're going to vote for in 2024, it doesn't matter. But this is a question that needs to be asked because you just laid out a map of what's going on around the world, and it's pretty scary. If Donald Trump had won, if, I know it's hypothetical, if Donald Trump had won again in 2020, would we be seeing half, if any, of these conflicts we see today? Oh, I, I think American politics don't have very much of an impact on what our principal adversaries do. Oh, okay, then, then, then let me stop you. Then, then you explain to me, and you explain to me how when Obama's president, they go into Crimea, Trump is there for four years. I guess he got lucky. Nothing happened. And then as soon as Trump leaves, another Democrat, a Biden guy, by the way, they go into Ukraine. They go into Kiev. How does that happen? The guy before and the guy after him that the Russians attack and for four years. And by the way, Colonel, I never heard once China even, even flirt with going into Taiwan when Trump was president. Was that all luck? Well, uh, coincidence is not causation. A lot of things happen at the same time, and they just happen to be coincidences uh, and vagaries of international politics. As a general rule, I don't like to talk about politicians because it just encourages these people on both sides of the aisle. So, uh, But the fact of the matter is that the likelihood of China uh, making an advance on Taiwan is extremely low uh, for a wide variety of reasons. And the most significant of them is that the Chinese perceive that time is on their side and that eventually they won't have to they won't have to invade Taiwan. The Taiwanese will ask to become part of China. There are very few people still alive who remember 1949. A recent poll on Taiwan uh, the, the conclusions were that the large majority of people they polled on Taiwan didn't care whether or not they were a part of China or weren't part of China. And some of them, even uh, a, a, a significant minority, suggested it would be a good thing, particularly economically, to be part of China. China knows this. They, have the, they shoot for the long game, and they know that they don't have to get involved in any kind of conflict with either the United States or our allies like Japan and South Korea to take over Taiwan. They're going to be able to do it all by themselves without a shot fired. Fair enough. Well, listen, you are so great. I love when you come on this program. I I thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I speak for every New Yorker and every American thanking you for your great service. And please keep coming back and stay healthy, Colonel Jack. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the program. Oh, come on. You're great. Colonel Jack Jacobs, that's the man right there, folks. God bless him. That does, uh, you know, uh, You know. let me take a break quickly, and then we'll come back, and uh, we'll get Frank Siller on the phone talking about Tunnel to Towers. Well, he's not going to come on the phone. I'll tell you about the latest Tunnel to Towers deal on a Wednesday. Thank you, Colonel Jack Jacobs. I'll be right back. Radio 77. WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
more Dolores for you. You can leave this playing the Cranberries. Happy 52nd birthday to Dolores. She passed away years ago. She would have been 52. That Jack Jacobs conversation, Colonel Jack Jacobs, Medal of Honor recipient, brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. Check them out today. PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. They build the world's best boilers. Pete Morgan's on his way to Greece after tomorrow. And I'm on the way to MetLife. Took his tickets for the Giants and the Cowboys. We're done for today. Lewis, great job with Dolores. And um, who else was uh, today? <laughs> One of your favorite people, Roger yeah. Waters. Oh, Roger Waters, that scumbag. Uh, Justin Ellis, great job. Noam Layden, terrific. Jimmy Flippin, my beautiful daughter Ava here in studio. And go for some pancakes and head back to uh, Queens. God willing, as my friend Gene says, we'll all be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. for your Thursday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Until then, from all of us to all of you, peace! Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.